0: Happy
1: 420.
0: Welcome to Stone Cold Murder. We are your hosts, Kai and B. Thank you for tuning in for season one, episode ten, ba ba ba, the final episode, ba 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 ba. Scoop, ba, ba, ba.
1: <laughs> Just a PSA: if you are listening and have any information that you would like to share to help solve a crime, please go to www.crimestoppers.com. Today is our last episode of the first season. We have Jane and Queen Reefer back on the pod today. Thanks for being on the last episode of the season with us. This is
0: a big deal. Yeah, thank you guys. How are you welcome. doing
1: today? We're,
0: We're doing good. good. How you doing? We doing good. <laughs> <laughs> doing we chilling. 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 Thanks for like having us. Yeah. Good. Yeah, thanks for having us. Tonight. Yeah, of course. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Mm-hmm. As always. Now, before we get into the case, since this is our last episode, I did want to say a thank you to everyone who helped make this first season happen. Absolutely, uh, This has been a big dream of ours in the works for almost two years, and it's just amazing to see it come to life. I thanked Kaylee for the logo, Benzo Decode for the theme music. Yes. Ooh, ooh. Amazing. Matt in the booth, Matt in the, boo. the for producing booth. and editing the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. uh thank you to all the guests who have joined and smoked with us mm-hmm. and thanks to you B, and your husband for letting us record at your home Absolutely. and i wanted to thank all the listeners for all the support and all the listens we do truly appreciate and love you all all righty now i wrote in here that i was gonna light up another joint because this is a long episode but i'm just gonna hit the pen real quick Because this is a long nightmare of a case, and it's extremely frustrated, or frustrating, and makes me frustrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm gonna need to be really high for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You guys probably wanna follow suit. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right. We bring you the case of the West Memphis Three. Have you heard of it? No. No. No, Do you I have
2: anything about this. Can you say the no. title again? No. what? The West Memphis 3. Oh. Uh-huh. West Memphis 3. That's kind of a tongue twister. Like, it is. Yeah, that's what I thought she was going to say. I was like, oh my God. No. no, but I have it. And I was trying to find something to say, kind of snarky, like my first episode that I was <laughs> in. You know how with the boy in the box. Yeah. But I couldn't mm. think of anything witty Can't to think say. Of it. But no, I have not heard of
1: it. No? You haven't have heard of no. it? No. No, I have heard of this. You have? Yeah. Kai yes. and I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Mm. Sometimes she surprises me with ones I have not heard of, but this is this one I have. This mm. is a
0: big one. This okay. is the one that a lot of people debate back and forth because a lot of people do think that this case was solved
3: mm.
0: back when when this happened. They do think it was solved. I'm going to show you that that is absolutely not true mm. <laughs> and that this is a complete horrific like fuck up of a case Mm. and if these were your kids hell to pay Mm. you would be disgusted Mm -hmm. by the way this was handled balls would be blazing Mm -hmm. balls would be blazing (laughs) (laughs) heads would be rolling Mm -hmm. and the only reason they got away with it is because the time so dang yes are we ready i can't believe i haven't heard of it and yes. see, this is
1: something also Kai and I will point out. Like, we have no problem calling out when a case is not taken care of well. We will give props when mm-hmm. they do their job, they get it solved. Or even if they don't solve it, just but showing up and shit. doing Mm-mm. their, putting the effort in. Yeah. But you better believe we're going to call out when there's, the effort is not put yeah. in.
0: Yep. And when it's just blatantly wrong, yes. mm. too.
1: Absolutely. <coughs> Hopefully they were held accountable.
0: No. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't we'll get say into so. that. We we'll won't get into that. Okay. All right. So our story starts off May fifth, nineteen ninety-three. Three eight-year-old boys, Christopher Byers, Stevie Branch, and Michael Moore, were reported missing in West Memphis, Arkansas. The boys were last seen in their neighborhood around six thirty PM. The boys were said to be playing, hanging out, and riding their bikes together in the neighborhood, and heading to a place called Robin Hood Hills nearby their neighborhood. Robin Hood Hills was the name given to a patch of woods. The woods consisted of several small areas. The northern part of the woods, east of the Blue Beacon Car Wash, was not a popular area among younger kids. But older kids did like to ride bikes along the trails that were behind them. The woods near the Blue Beacon were often used by drifters and people who used drugs. So not usually a place that little kids should be Mm -hmm. hanging around. The path leading from behind the the truck wash was separated into two different directions. One path went towards the drainage ditch that ran north and south inside the woods, and it flowed into the 10-mile bayou. The other path went into a pipe bridge, and this was leading into the southern portion of the woods. The woods south of the pipe bridge were sometimes referred to as Robin Hood. So this is where the kids were going. Children of all ages spent time in this portion of the woods, and many kids were afraid to actually, like, cross the little pipe bridge, Mm -hmm. because it was, like, a small sewage pipe, and it was just supported by a couple little I-beams on both sides. Mm -hmm. So they kind of, a little bit of a, a, sketch, yeah, Yeah. but, like, as a little kid, it's kind of fun to do that kind of stuff, you know? Little Mm -hmm. daredevils. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Dare each other to do that stuff. Yeah.
0: So that's the south side. To the east of the southern patch of woods was an area known as the Devil's Den. This part of the woods contained a rope swing that was used to get across the drainage ditch. Younger children were told not to go into this part of the woods, but kids being kids, were, they were definitely tempted, and many kids did play there regardless of the warning. Neighbors said that they recalled seeing Terry Hobbs, who is Stevie Branch's stepfather, looking for the children around the neighborhood and calling for them to come home that night. The first 911 call that night came from Chris Byers' stepfather, John Mark Byers, at around 7 p.m. After the call, police were notified an initial search was conducted that night. But it was very dark at that point, and it was hard to do anything because of the density of the Robin Hood Hills area. So they just decided to pick up the search in the morning.
4: They're, like, not going to look all night? Like, nope. that's weird in itself.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't Me. you be mad?
1: <coughs> I would be very I would mad. be pissed. No. Yeah. Yep. So I'd be mean, like, like, what do you mean you're going to go to sleep? Like, I mean, nobody should be sleeping right now. Did so right. my parents intensity. go
2: to bed, too? Yeah.
3: What the Everybody fuck? Everybody
0: stopped. Hell No. Nah. I I think one of, I do remember reading that maybe, like, one of the moms drove around quite a bit with her other Mm. daughter. Yeah, like, like, how could you sleep? The density of this Robin Hood Hills area is so dense that when you have, when they have to get into it later, they can't even bring cars or anything. Mm. It has to be cut down. Some Mm. areas have to be cut down. Yeah, but, like,
2: still, as a parent, if three of my kids were, like, missing. I don't care if I have to get a whole ass machete. I'm chopping that shit down. looking for them. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know how they can go be like, okay, yeah, let me pick up in the morning. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm sure most of them don't assume the worst, but still. But still. No, I I agree. Oof.
3: Yeah.
0: So, West Memphis police officers got a call at 8.42pm that night. So, remember... The first call came in at about 7pm mm. from an employee at a Bojangles restaurant. A Bo- Bojangles is like a chicken restaurant that's mm. out in the South. Bojangles. It, it was located about a mile from the Robin Hood Hills area. They reported seeing a black male who seemed mentally disoriented inside the restaurant's ladies room. It appeared that the man was bleeding and he had brushed up against multiple walls in the restroom and the restaurant, leaving like, blood smeared everywhere. Mm. Officer Regina Meeks responded to the call. <laughs> Talking to the restaurant's manager through the drive-thru window. No. Wait, say it. She went to the restaurant and this she... This a police officer. ...did not go inside after nope. this was reported. She went through the drive-thru and talked to the manager through the drive-thru Why? window. Why? Was, like, the seating the area closed? Was, the man was not there at that point. When she got there, but they didn't go inside the restroom. They didn't go inside the restaurant. They didn't collect any blood at that time. She just went there, talked to the lady through the drive-thru, and went about her day. Okay. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Honestly, (laughs) super strange. (laughs) She didn't go inside or, like, look into any more at that time. And was like, I know she, like, probably didn't realize it could be connected at the time because they didn't know anything was wrong with these boys, but, Mm. like, also, if someone's bleeding, like either he's hurt or someone else is hurt, and either way, someone needs help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The man was it reported. Had been in a it a long day. With bleeding. She couldn't be bothered. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be me. So now we're going to talk. <laughs> we're going to talk about a woman named Vicki Hutchinson. She was a neighbor of the missing boys, and on May 6th, the day after they were reported missing, 1993, she was um, going into the West Memphis Police Department to take a polygraph test. Huh. Detective Don Beret was the one on duty, and they were there to determine whether or not she had stolen money from her employer. Oh. Yeah, she, she's a big part of the story, so remember her name. Wait, I'm confused. How did she come in? I guess we'll talk about it. No, she, But who is she? Uh, her name is Vicky. She's uh-huh. a neighbor of the oh, boys a neighbor. who neighbor. Okay. Missing. Yep. <laughs> and she's in the police department to take a polygraph test the next day to see if she stole money from her work. So it's a different issue? Yeah, different where issue. In there? Different issue, but she okay. is pertinent to the story, and I'm okay. about to tell you why. Okay. So... When she went in to the police department, she brought along her young son named Aaron. He ended up being a complete distraction this entire time, and they were not able to even do the polygraph test at the time. He's eight years old oh. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they were never able to determine that she was lying on these allegations, she will later in the story prove herself to be a piece of shit liar. So uh-huh. remember her mm-hmm. name. What was was that specifically <laughs> <Vicky>? said? <laughs> okay. No, that's what I said. That's oh, okay, my word. okay. I was like, <laughs> She's a damn. "Piece of okay. shit liar." Oh. That's so.
1: literally what she called her.
3: Mm. This is <laughs> yes, a PSL. Yes, not the good kind. Piece not a pumpkin spice art. latte. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I said uh, earlier, Aaron and his mother lived in the same area as the boys, and he sometimes played with the boys who were missing. Okay. Aaron, at one point during the time at the police department mentioned to officer beret that the boys had been killed at the quote-unquote playhouse so police took notes they believed every word of this eight-year-old story and said that they would later bring him back for a different interview that same day the search for the three boys began at around 8 a.m on may 6 led by the creedon county search and rescue personnel the searchers canvassed all over west memphis but they but focused primarily on Robin Hood Hills, since that's where the boys were last seen. Mm. A shoulder to shoulder human chain was formed to search Robin Hood Hills with no sign of the boys at around one forty five pm A juvenile officer named Stephen Jones spotted a boy's black shoe floating in a muddy creek that led to the major drainage canal in Robin Hood Hills. The water in the canal was dark, dirty, muddy, so it was like almost impossible to like see through the water. Mm. So the officer, Officer Jones, decided to get into the shallow water on his hands and knees to look for the boy. So he's basically just like crawling around and feeling with one arm to see if he could find the kids. Yeah, it's terrible. It's awful. It's awful. Good on him for trying this, though. Honestly, you you know. Yeah, I don't appreciate everything he does, but I do appreciate this. So he's searching in the water, and he does eventually come up onto something, and unfortunately, it's the body of Michael Moore. Mm. After finding Michael, Officer Jones goes back into the water to see if he can find the other boys. And eventually he does find both Stevie Branch and Chris Byers. The three boys all had been stripped naked and were hog-tied with their own shoelaces. Mm. The boys and their clothing were found secured to the bottom of the canal with stick. So it was like wrapped around a stick and like shoved into the mud. Mm. And Jeez. their bodies were the same way they had a stick, secured oh. to their... Ligatures, basically, just to hold them down so they didn't float to the top. Two of the boys' underwear were never recovered, but all of the rest of the clothes were found. Hmm. (laughs) The autopsies by forensic pathologist Frank J. Peretti indicated that Byers died of multiple injuries, Uh while both Moore and Branch died of multiple injuries and, unfortunately, drowning. Hmm. So it's thought that Christopher died before he was placed into the water while the other boys horrifically were still alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, during this whole time, the bodies were removed. They were just, like, sitting on the bank of the water. Mm. And it's Arkansas, it's May, it's hot. Mm. They waited almost two hours before the medical examiner was called, and when he was... Yeah, when he was, he couldn't get his medical examiner car in there, so they had to just wrap the bodies up and hike the bodies oh to mm-hmm. this truck stop that was nearby. Why did they wait two hours? Right. Part of it was them looking for the clothes, you know, in the canal and, Can like, they searching. they not look after
2: they get them
0: somewhere? That's a that's thing that's <laughs> of the case. Like, we do understand that it's, like, a, a situation that this county is not, Equipped for, like they—they've yeah. never seen anything mm. like this. On the other hand, you would think training is in place so that they know not to further, you know, mm. contaminate the bodies. Yeah, or
2: at least like some backup that they can call have someone
0: come so, and look too. Yeah. So doing this, it did speed up the composition pretty far mm. um, before they were able to remove the bodies and get an autopsy performed. Mm. Yes. So now we are going to go into the individual autopsy reports. So this is going to get a little rough. Just want to let you guys know before we get into it. We're going to get into Stevie Branch. He was found nude. His body was covered with mud and leaf and debris. Mm. He had blonde, blood-soaked hair, and the right hand was bound to the right ankle with a black shoelace, and the left hand was bound to the left ankle with a white shoelace. Mm. This, was, this is what they referred to as being hog-tied. Mm. Mm. I see. Except so if you didn't know. His fingernails were short and intact. The nails' beds were dirty, though. Mm. Both hands and feet showed washerwomen wrinkling, which is, we talked about that in the Jelani Day case. Mm-hmm. It's when you're just in the water too mm. long and you get, like, wrinkles or slippage mm-hmm. from being in there too long. The body was cold. Rigor was present. The left side of the scalp had swelling and bruising. The entire left side of the face, including the left ear and face, showed multiple injuries and consistent with like multiple gouging type and like irregular cutting wounds on the mm. side of his face. The base of the skull showed a three and a half inch fracture with multiple extension fractures. His eyes were blue-gray and there was a small hemorrhage in the left eye. Mm. The chest and abdomen had multiple scattered abrasions present on the left front of the chest. And his penis showed signs of injuries and bruising. Mm-hmm. And I only want to note this only because it does come pertinent into the case. Otherwise, I wouldn't really go into this. But they do say the anus was dilated dilated with no injuries. No injuries were noted and no semen was present. A cloth friendship bracelet was found around his right wrist hmm. the cause of death would be described as multiple injuries with drowning michael moore michael moore was found nude the body was covered with dried mud leaf and debris he had brown wavy blood-soaked hair he has green eyes with no hemorrhaging found. the hands and feet showed the washerwoman wrinkling he was hog-tied with black shoelaces a strand of fabric-like material was clenched in his left hand and they huh. didn't really go into further detail of what kind of fabric or where mm-hmm. the fabric that was. that mm-hmm. meant he was trying to fight, yeah. The mm-hmm. maybe. maybe like rip something. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. The body was cold; rigor was present. He had multiple face bruises, injuries that were, um, and there were also multiple skull fractures. Mm. His penis showed no injuries. The anus was dilated and showed no external evidence of injury. But mud and debris were present in the mm. anal orifice. Mm. His back and leg had multiple cuts and bruising, and his butt cheek had puncture wounds found in them. Hmm. Yeah. No Yeah. I, no yeah. I, I want to say when I thought of when I saw it, I thought of maybe like almost like an ice pick, but I don't mm. know. Like mm. it didn't really say describe, yeah. but that's mm-hmm. what I'm imagining. Yeah. Almost. Puncture. Yeah. Doesn't that sound? But they're not. Specifically saying cut. Didn't no. they
2: say, like, he was, they were, like, held down by sticks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. something with, like, the sticks, yeah. too.
0: Yeah, ew. Oof. And he did have defense injuries. He on was fighting. Yeah. This is the older one. They're all eight. Oh. Yeah. Geez. The cause of death would be described as multiple injuries with drowning. This is Christopher Byers. He was the one that was found to be killed before being placed in the water. Mm. He was found nude. The body was covered with dry mud, leaf, and debris like the others. He had brown, blood-soaked hair, and his hands were hog-tied. Strands of hair-like material were found on his left thigh and under the bindings of the left ankle. The fingernails were short and intact with dirty nail beds, and washerwoman wrinkling was present with him as well. The body was cold. Rigor was present. He had a few old scars noted on the body, so he had already... Had e- either boys being boys having lots of scars or just had a lot of injuries prior mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. incident. He had brown eyes with no hemorrhages. The right ear was abraded and contused. And this can be caused by like falling or jamming something like hard against your oh. body or like being hit with like a blunt object. He had multiple cuts on his face, lips, and what looked to be some sort of bite mark on his cheeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is gross. I, I like... Mm-hmm. I hate that yeah. yeah. The base of the skull shows multiple fractures. Extending from the fracture were multiple radiating fractures. So he had multiple fractures on his head. Mm-hmm. The lower extremities had a few old healed scars, and he had bruising and ligature marks. The anus was dilated. He had puncture or gouging marks on parts of his penis and his scrotal sac was missing. Oh my gosh. That is awful. Mm-hmm. In between the thighs were multiple areas of yellow abrasions with skin slippage. There were multiple bruises and cuts found on his butt cheeks and close to his anus. Ugh. The cause of death would be described as multiple injuries.
4: Wow. That is yeah.
0: That is awful. yeah, so that's a whole lot yeah. of just shit to unload. Mm-hmm. It's a horrific discovery mm-hmm. of these poor children. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta hit the pen after that. <laughs> it's a
4: lot. That is a lot to take in. And were, did these kids have any trouble prior to dying? Like
0: This last kid that we talked about, um, Christopher Byers, he did have other problems with his stepdad. Which we will talk about. Yes. Abusive, yes. Okay. Can we pause so I can open Mm -hmm. this? We're going to go dab real quick.
2: We are on an intermission for (laughs) the dab skis. Okay, anyway. Okay.
0: Let's get Get back to where I was. Police initially uh, suspected the boys had been raped. However, later, expert testimonies disputed this finding. There are, are apparently traces of sperm DNA found on a pair of pants recovered at the scene and hairs found on a shoelace, but nothing other than that to indicate that they had been sexually assaulted in any way.
4: In their clothes? It found it on their
0: clothes or yeah. somehow? Uh, well, it didn't say. It just said clothes found at the scene, so I'm assuming hmm. it would be their clothes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Otherwise, I don't know why they would include it, but... <laughs> They include a lot of things that I mm. wouldn't think. So. Prosecution experts claim that Byer's wounds were the result of a serrated knife attack and that he had been purposefully castrated by the murderer. Mm. But defense experts in this case later claimed that the injuries were most likely a result of a postmortem animal activity
3: because mm. he was in the oh. water.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, him and the bodies being in the water... Kind of like we saw in the Jelani Day case, remember? Mm -hmm. Like, people thought that he was mutilated, but it turned out that he had animal bite marks on him. Mm. Because he was left in the water for so long. Yeah. And this is West Memphis, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. in May. So, it's not unlikely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Police believe that the boys were assaulted and killed at that location where they were found. Others will later argue that the assault, at least, was unlikely to have occurred at the creek because no blood evidence was found. Mm. The day after the victims' bodies were found, the Bojangles manager recontacted the police because he thinks that there might be a connection to this man that was bleeding. Did mm. we discuss
1: it through the the, <laughs> <laughs> the drive-through again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Also, he was a different, like, like person. Yeah, like, right. They're They're ordering
0: food. He's like, hey, i been meaning to talk to you. Can it's... you scrape that up for me so I can just take it back to the precinct, you know?
1: <laughs> no problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he did believe that this, like, maybe could be connected. So he reported that the man wore a blue cast type brace on his arm. And it had white Velcro on it. Which would have made it difficult for him to tie up three kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. King gave the officers a pair of sunglasses that he thought the man had left behind, and the detectives took some blood samples from the wall tiles of the restroom. Which, <laughs> it's mind-blowing that they weren't cleaned up after it a whole day honestly, at bathroom. Right. Which I get, it's probably good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the they were it. just
2: like... You know, we're going to recall this wait. in and yeah. wait until, like, police actually come. Mm-hmm. Which
0: I appreciate. Yeah. You know? Hopefully but they still, weren't open hopefully, or something. Yeah, hopefully they you know? closed it. That's what I hope. that would be really <laughs> disturbing. Mm. Yeah, it would be wrong. If they let... Cu- yeah, no, yeah. Mm. Police detective Brian Ridge testified that he lost those blood scrapings. Mm. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> police officer James uh, Serby and Steve Jones felt that the crime had, quote-unquote, Cult overtones, cult, cult, Occult. like satanic oh, cult gotcha. overtones. You're the satanic cult. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. ready for this. And that Damien Eccles might be a suspect because he had an interest in occultism, and Jones said that he felt Eccles was capable of murdering children. Wow. <laughs> when the bodies proved to have been discovered near the area that the supposed playhouse was, where Aaron indicated. Bray asked Aaron for further details. Aaron was later urged by his mother to tell police that he had seen what had happened in the woods on mm, fifth. What? Oh. Yeah,
3: urged. So urged.
0: He didn't actually see it, but his mom said, You saw it, right? And this is what you saw, right? Why oh. would she say
3: that? Oh, because oh. she wanted attention.
0: She wants some attention okay. It's what she wants. She just inserted herself right into mm, this case. Okay. Because, Drama follow-up. Yeah, The boy told the police... <sighs> <laughs> A series of strange tales about being kidnapped by people speaking Spanish, riding motorcycles, and eventually he escaped from these bizarre kidnappers what? by just kicking them and running away. This is Eric? Yeah, Aaron. Or Aaron? Yep. Yeah. He escaped, e? but the other three did
3: not. Oh, okay. Know? Okay. The boys' wow. stories
0: became more and more and more exaggerated by the days. And only after being asked... He agreed with police that Damien Eccles had killed his friends, but only after they had asked. Mm.
2: Ooh, I forget who this is. Who's Damien
0: again? Uh, we haven't really gotten into Damien okay. yet. Mm. But I will. Don't you worry. Gotcha. They eventually gave up on the boy because he wasn't giving anything reliable. It couldn't be used against Damien Eccles. So they were like, meh, we don't really want anything. Yeah, this kid had an imagination. Sounds like it. Sounds like his mom loved beating it, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. They needed something, like, solid. Mm. And since they had destroyed or lost most of the evidence that had been collected, their only option was hearsay, Mm. which is always a great thing to Mm. base your cases off of. Mm -hmm. Right? It's the best kind of evidence. Mm -hmm. I just have a
2: question. Yeah. None of the parents have been, like, mentioned in any of this. Where are they in, Paul?
0: They're just... I, I mean... They, they're very vocal when this happens and when these boys get ultimately convicted of this. Okay. Um, So
2: they were there like throughout the whole process? Yeah.
0: Okay. They just, um, letting the police handle it because the police know what they're doing. (laughs) That's what they tell them. Yeah. 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 And you know, Uh like we're always told to trust the police. Like we don't Mm -hmm. expect them to be shady or like doing something nefarious behind the scenes. We expect them to be like, oh, I do. (laughs) <laughs> right i do too yeah. but like not especially back then like you're yeah. just like oh yeah they're they're not gonna like blame my eight-year-old son's murder on someone who's mm-hmm. innocent like they would never do that but like well and they like, do.
1: like you said yeah. in that time there were so many videos for us as kids like i yeah. remember seeing that that was like if you're lost or you're in danger look for a police officer like that's the mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. they tell you to look for and mm-hmm. i'm I still think kids, like looking for somebody in a uniform, you're probably going to get more help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just was so ingrained. That yeah. You don't ever think that there could be bad people that yeah. are. Yeah. And you don't officers. question it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: You just don't. Aaron's other statements to police were innocent in itself, and they were unable to identify, and he was unide- unable to identify Jason Baldwin, Damien Eccles, or Jason Miskelly. From the photo lineups that there were, oh. and there was no playhouse at the location that he had indicated previously. What? Yeah. So you would yeah. think
2: if, like, they, like, if his mom got him to say all this stuff, she would at least have her facts
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> You would think so. Mm-hmm. A police officer did end up leaking portions of Aaron's statement to the press, and that wow. contributed to growing mm. rumors that mm. the murders were part of a satanic cult oh this blew up and this is in the Bible belt mm, mind yeah. you mm. in the nineties yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. people are blaming Satan for everything. Mm-hmm. You know this was like huge. Any problems they mm-hmm. had it was Satan. It was people worshiping Satan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Anything that couldn't be explained, Satan.
3: Right. <laughs> you know
0: it was Satan. <laughs> Eccles and his friend Jason Baldwin had been in trouble before. But it was like minor things, like vandalism or shoplifting. Like,
3: well, then, you know, <laughs> minor. You know, it's no, not yeah, like know. vandalism. Know. Those <laughs> things are
0: like kids do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like kids mm-hmm. shoplift. Kids do destroying. Yeah, it's, like yeah.
2: it's not like hurting someone. Yeah, it wasn't like, like he like...
0: set things on fire or yeah. killed animals Ooh, yeah, or yeah. like yeah. beating up kids. You know, like they were just testing annoying. The um, but nothing that would indicate that they were, like, m- capable of murdering children. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's yeah. a big escalation. Mm-hmm. Damien did spend several months in a mental institution in Arkansas. And afterwards, he received a full disability status hmm. because of his mental health
4: This is the one the kid was seeing who killed yeah. everybody. Yeah.
0: His family was extremely poor. Oh. They received frequent visits from social workers and... Later on, people just, like, don't understand how him and his sister weren't removed from the home early on. Mm-hmm. Damien rarely attended school, um, just because he was depressed. He didn't, you know, he didn't want to go to school. Nobody, mm-hmm. he didn't fit in with nobody, mm-hmm. and people made fun of him all the time, so he just, he didn't go much. Mm-hmm. Officer Jerry Driver became obsessed with Damien and was convinced that he and his girlfriend were planning to have a baby to sacrifice to Satan.
3: Oh, What Jason. the
0: heck? Yup. Damien his girlfriend had run off on May nineteenth, nineteen ninety two. Her mother reported her daughter as a runaway and believed that Damien was with her. They were found partially nude from the waist down in an empty trailer at Lakeshore Estates. Mm. Damien was charged with burglary and sexual misconduct. <laughs> He was ordered to a juvenile detention center for this at Jonesboro on May 26, 1992 as a result of this incident that had taken place. While he was locked up, Jerry Driver asked his mother if he could go inside their home. She granted him permission and he took things from his room like books, music, and like skulls that he had like collected and started building a case immediately against David. So like, wow. for me, if someone came inside my house and started taking my books, my skull—like really? I have skulls mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. in my house—I have creepy things all inside my house. Like, is that does that mean I'm a murderer? Mm-mm. No, in because I like. Day.
1: Yeah, it would have meant mm-hmm. I was a murderer.
0: <laughs> Damien was released two weeks later because he was not a harm to himself or others. Mm-hmm. So the things the boys are doing don't scream automatic child murderer to me, but these police officers were convinced that because of these things and the fact that these kids were extremely different from most other people in the area at the times, that these boys must be horrible, evil child murderers.
3: That's awful.
0: Yeah. Probation officer Jerry Driver, which is the guy that's obsessed with Damien already, had been following Damien Eccles for years. Hmm. Yeah. His first. Instinct was that the moody, dark-haired teenager was responsible. And in fact, he and another police officer agreed that Damien was the only person that they felt was capable of such a thing. He he
2: sounds cultish. Let me just follow this Mm -hmm. other
0: teenage boy around. Let me obsess over him. Yeah, and when I was doing researches, like, this man would literally drive around and look for cult activity. Mm, he looked for witches this activities. Yeah, he's he weird. was like on a witch hunt, like literally on a witch hunt. Mm, that's weird. And both men decided that the triple homicide had actually been in a bizarre satanic ritual sacrifice be- performed by a cult, which they imagined Damien was the leader of. Oh mm, mm. god. There was no evidence of any cult activity in the woods and the investigating officers found nothing cult incriminating. Activity. Yeah. They found nothing incriminating. Mm. The next day to tie tie them to the crime, but they visited Damon Eccles anyways, regardless of them not finding anything to tie him. Mm. (laughs)
3: Unbelievable.
0: The officer had questioned Eccles before, actually, and it seemed like anything that would come up, Damien was being questioned. A piece of equipment disappeared from a train that had passed through West Memphis. Damien was questioned, Uh even though... The train did not stop through their town when it went through. (laughs) When a girl was killed 100 miles away, Damien was questioned, even though he had no driver's license and never knew how to drive. Mm.
3: (laughs) It seems that this
0: officer was looking for a crime that he could pin a sinister, Mm quote-unquote, teenager. With that crime. Yeah. And that the homicides of Stevie Branch, Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore were good enough. Hmm. Though there was no evidence to co- connect Damien to the victims or the murders, the rumors, irresponsible police work, and the media created a, an environment where it was decided well before the trials that the three teenagers were devil worshippers who were guilty of the murders. Mm. Jeez.
2: that's Talk about, like, an unfair trial. Today. Isn't right. it?
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. That's
2: like, let me just make up, yeah. like, all of this stuff. Whatever. That doesn't even yeah. have any evidence mm-hmm. or anything backing it up.
4: And this guy um, that was obsessed with this case is a police officer. Yes. Oh, he's a, a parole officer. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm gonna give you a little bit of a background on Damien and J. Just Jess- Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Damien and Jason now, because we've talked about them, but you guys don't really know who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damien was born Michael Wayne Hutchinson. On, and not related to Vicky in any way. On December 11th, 1974, he grew up extremely poor, and he lived with his mother and father until they divorced when he was eight. The family frequently moved, and he attended eight different schools before the age of 10. Jeez. Because of this, it was very hard for him to meet and keep friends, and it made him kind of a loner.
3: Mm.
0: His mother made, uh, met a man named Jack Eccles at church. This church was a Pentecostal church. (laughs) Hmm. Um, and they soon became married. Jack was extremely overbearing and forced the entire family to attend church, multiple services a week, and would stand over the kids to make sure they were praying correctly.
3: Ooh.
0: Praying correctly? Uh Uh-huh. And it was even reported that one night when they were praying, that the little dog, like, jumped up on the bed where they were praying, and he punched the dog in the face. Oh, jeez. That's... Scene. Yeah. He's a, kid. He's a great guy. Like yeah,
2: I feel like
0: they're, yeah, no. I'm not mm-hmm. sad. Oh, oh. Soon, Jack, which is the new stepfather, had moved the entire family into the dirty basement of the church they were attending. He abused Damon, Damien physically and mentally, and his mother just let it happen. Mm. After the family lived in the church for a while, they moved into a shed in someone's yard for $30 a month. It was completely made out of metal, had no electricity, air, heat, or water. Dang. How
3: did these
2: people... For how
0: long? In this A while. Stuff?
2: Oh my
0: he gosh. said in the summer, you would just boil Ugh. because it was made out of metal. That is atrocious. Mm. And in the winter, they would have to light fires inside to keep them warm. Mm. But it would fill the shed with just smoke and they mm. couldn't breathe. Mm. So that was like kind of the life he was living. You know, just... Terrible. Sad. Yeah. yeah. At the age of 13, he changed his birth name from Michael, Wayne Hutchinson, to Damien and took the last name of his father, Jack Eccles. He said he picked the name Damien because of his hero, who was Father Damien, who was a 19th century Belgian missionary, priest, who worked with the Hawaiian lepers. So mm. a lot of people say that he actually changed his name to Damien because he's a devil and he's, yeah, lover. he's Satanist and whatever, yeah. but it's yeah. actually oh because gosh. of a missionary. Oh gosh. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, oh when he was fifteen years old, he announced that he was gonna join a Catholic church and felt called to become a priest. He attended Catholic classes and the rite of Christian initation for adults at St. Michael's Catholic Church in West Memphis. Eccles was described as being bright and cynical, often dressed in black and had long black hair and black nails, wore a long black trench coat, listened to heavy metal music, wrote dark and expressive poems, and was labeled a misfit within the community. Hmm. He later dated a girl who would get him more into the occult stuff, and he really took interest in just learning about all different kinds of religion. He wasn't just learning about occult, he was learning about Catholic and Buddhists and Christians and all sorts of different kinds of religions because he just thought it was interesting. People would also often think he was a Satanist or a devil worshiper, but he did not consider himself a worshiper of the devil. He didn't mind if others thought he was. He said it was a way to keep people away from him. Mm.
3: He, he,
0: didn't, you know, yeah. he didn't want people, you know, he lived a hard life. I'm sure right. he was just like, I don't want to be around you to talk you to people. You yeah. know, I'm just sad. Seems. Yeah. So his stepfather, Jack, moved out on May twenty seventh, 1992, and their divorce was final after he was accused of molesting uh, Damien's sister. Mm. Damien's father, later, he came back to Arkansas. They got back together, and Mm. the the family soon moved to Oregon, randomly. Mm. Randomly. Yeah. And there, Damien became super depressed. His family was worried about him and ended up putting him back into the hospital, b- despite him telling them that he was fine. He was later released because, though he was depressed from moving away from his girlfriend and from Jay- Jason and missed them, he wasn't a danger to himself or others. So he moved back to Arkansas to live with Jack for a while because his mom and dad were kind of just like, we don't really want you to live with us, so... Go figure it out. So he moved back in with Jake, Jack, which he didn't really want to, but he didn't really have another choice until he got back on his feet. As soon as he arrived back home, Jerry Driver was waiting for him at the station, waiting for him, and yes. immediately threw him in juvenile detention. Oh, my God. He oh, said... Wild. This person he's, is, like, obsessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said because he had apparently made comments about hurting himself, that was a violation to his parole. Mm-hmm. But Damien is now 18 and, like, transitioning out of juvenile system, so, like, he shouldn't even be under Jerry Driver anymore, but he still is for some reason. And by the time of the murders, Damien's family had moved back to West Memphis and were Mm -hmm. now living in a trailer. Now we're going to get into Jason Baldwin. Jason Baldwin was born April 11th, 1977, in West Memphis, Arkansas. Jason's dad left when he was four years old, leaving him and his mother with two younger brothers. His mother suffered from schizophrenia, but she tried the absolute best she could to take care of her kids. Because of this, Jason really became a surrogate parent for his sibling. His mom would occasionally go off her meds and be gone for days at a time, leaving him to take on the brunt end of the care of the family. And even with all of these things, he was so close to his mother and he just loved and respected her. No matter what. Mm. He said he respected and appreciated all the hard work she did for them. And he also understood that she had mental health issues and didn't blame her for the mm. issues that they had. Mm. He was a sweetheart. Yeah. He would often spend his free times watching the siblings while the mother worked. And he would rarely take time for himself to hang out with his friends. Uh, Damien got kicked out of high school where Jason earned his high school diploma and he was a very talented artist, mostly drawing and sketching, and he was encouraged by his teachers to study graphic design in college. Eccles and Baldwin were f- close friends and they bonded over similar tastes in heavy music, games like Dungeons and Dragons, fiction books, and an all-over shared disdain for the prevailing culture and climate of the West Memphis area. <laughs> they were Over it. <laughs> over. At the time, the Satanic Panic was in full, and I mean full hysteria status. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to give you a little idea of how crazy and scared people were. The Satanic Panics occur when superstitious people in power choose to explain events that are difficult for them to comprehend by blaming demons and witches. Instead of trying to honestly and rationally understand criminal behavior... Mm -hmm. sickness, or mental illness. They choose to instead simplify things by imagining Satan is responsible. Various forms of satanic panic have been observed since the beginning of time. Although the specific details may change with the times, the roots and results are the same as they have been throughout history. The panic was sparked in 1980 with the publication of a book called Michelle Remembers. Have you ever heard of this book? Mm-mm. No. A book was co-written by a Canadian psychiatrist named Lauren Pazella. Pazdar. Pazdar. Lauren <laughs> <laughs> Pazdar? Is that yeah. Pazdar, that? I think is his name. Yeah. Okay. And his patient, which would become his future wife, mm-hmm. Michelle Smith. Oh, okay. yeah. I
3: remember that. Yes. Yeah.
0: It was published in 1980, and the book was written um, in the form of like an autobiography. Presenting the first modern claim that child abuse linked to satanic rituals. This is a now discredited book, but Lawrence was also responsible for coining the term ritual abuse. After the book's success, he developed a high media profile and gave lectures and trainings on satanic ritual abuse to law enforcement. And by September of 1990, he had acted as a consult on more than a thousand Satanic ritual cases, including the McMartin Preschool Trial. Prosecutors made this, ma- this made-up book, which is proved to be made-up. Mm. She actually was not abused by Satanic people mm. um, as a guide when preparing cases against alleged Satanists. When you said it was made-up, I thought you were going to say that she didn't even exist. No, no, no. no. <laughs> she exists. She just, like, made up all these stories about being abused by Satanic people. Cults Mm. as a child,
4: and yeah,
0: yeah. and then this whole book was written about it. And then he trained police officers based on this book, and they used this book as basis for trials Mm. and trials that they thought were linked to Satan activity. That's wild, yeah, satanic activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so well, yeah. So Michelle remembers, along with the other accounts portrayed as survivor stories, are suspected to have influenced later allegations of satanic ritual assault and the book has been suggested as a factor in the later epidemic of satanic ritual abuse allegations. Wow. Judy Johnson was a mother of one of the McMartin preschool's young students. She had recently been dealing with the passing of one of her sons and understandably started to go a little crazy but she would end up ruining quite a few people's lives over the next years. Her son had complained of having few painful, like, bowel mu- movements, and this started her spiral of thinking that her son was being abused.
3: Oh. She
0: began regular, daily checks of her son's anus, which would make it extremely irritated, and she would be more and more convinced of the abuse by the day. Oh. In 1983, she reported...
1: Like, what kind of investigating is she doing if it's getting irritated yep.
0: like that? Yep. Like... Yep. Wow, sorry. Yeah, I know. That just bothers me. She ruined so many people's lives by this thing that Mm. she's doing right here. Yeah. In 1983, she reported to the police that her son had been assaulted by uh, her estranged husband and also by McMartin teacher Ray Bucky. Mm. In addition, she also made several more accusations, including that people at the daycare had sexual encounters with animals, that Peggy drilled her child under the arms, which I don't know what that means, and Ray flew in the air. What? Why? Yeah, he flew. He just flew in the air. <laughs> Wait. What? Yeah. And they believed
1: her. They believed because her. of the Satan stuff. Like yes. And what
0: does that mean? Drilled child under the arms. I don't know arms? what that means. None of this. I don't know oh, what this is that means. Like a it was a quote. Thing? It was a quote from her. They drilled a child under the arms. What? <sighs> With a drill or what? Like, or I don't... Is, that, is, is it, it a
3: sexual
2: thing?
0: Like, do they mean... I have no idea. Mm. None of it makes sense to me, and I... Oof, I'd be mind like, blows me. Can you elaborate? What does what that mean? do you mean? Mm-hmm. He flew in the air? Like, he jumped? He didn't fly. He levitated? You know, he didn't fly. This is, is this is the crazy
3: lady writing a book. This is the lady
0: it. who... Her son died, and she thinks her son is being abused, so she keeps checking his... Yeah. 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 And... You guys, <laughs> and now she's reported it to the police at this point. And now is saying that not only her husband, she's not only the teacher, in. but all of the people
4: at this school are doing these things. And she what they believe the... her, yeah. And she's that? the crazy leader of the yeah. town,
1: and they know that, yeah. This is why mental health is important, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, clearly, this woman has maybe could be severe postpartum depression. Well, her son right. died,
0: her son yeah. died, and that and in then, itself yeah. is viral, yeah. A spiral. Hard. yeah. yeah. It's awful. But, like, why are the police
4: believing her? That's what I don't get. Pfft.
0: Nobody knows. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Some sources state that at the time, Johnson's son denied that, like, completely denied her suggestion that the preschool teachers had molested him, whereas others say he confirmed the abuse. But Ray Bucky was a teacher there. He was a good teacher, and he was the one accused of this assault. He was questioned, not prosecuted, due to lack of evidence. The police did, however, send out a letter to about two hundred parents of the students at the McMartin School, stating that the children may have been abused. And asking the parents to question their children. Try to see if there's
1: more collaborating yeah. stories or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I'm gonna have you read more this quality. text. This is the letter that they had sent out. letter was sent out September eighth,
1: nineteen eighty three. Dear parent, this department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation. Ray Bucky, an employee of Virginia Martins Preschool, was arrested September 7, 1983 by this department. The following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your children as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary for a complete investigation. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. We are asking your assistance in the continuing investigation. I feel like they've said that a lot. Yeah. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates that possible criminal acts include oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttock and chest or chest area and sodomy. Possibly committed under the pretense of taking the child's temperature. Wow. Mm. Also, photos may have been taken of children without their clothing. Any information from your child regarding having ever observed Ray Bucky to leave a classroom alone with a child during a nap? any nap period or if they have ever observed Ray Bucky tie up a child is important. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to the department in the enclosed stamped return envelope as soon as possible. We will contact you if circumstances dictate same. We ask you to please keep the investigation strictly confidential because of the nature of the charges and the highly emotional effect it could have on our community. Please do not discuss this investigation with anyone outside your immediate family. Do not contact or discuss the investigation with Raymond Bucky, any member of the accused defendant's family, or employees connected with McMartin Preschool. And then this is all in caps. There is no evidence to indicate that the management of Virginia McMartin's Preschool Had any knowledge of the situation and no detrimental information concerning the operation of the school has been discovered during this investigation. Also, no other employee in the school is under investigation for any criminal act. Okay, first of all, I just want to Mm -hmm. say... If my parents got a letter like this, doesn't matter Can what grade I was, they would have been pulling me out of the right. school. What about you? Yeah.
0: How would you feel Yeah, I, you I was going to say nobody
4: asked yeah. how the kids were going to feel about... How
0: would about... you feel if you got a, a letter like that about your And then your you got to press your well, child. Yeah, like yeah. the child.
4: Like, what yeah. about the child? They're, yeah. like, worried about everybody else. It's like, what about the child asking them some weird questions like exactly. that? Exactly. You know? They're going to be like, no.
1: Yeah. They don't even give you any, like, that'd be so different now, but they give you, like, no... Like segue help, into DNA. yes, or yeah. help with yeah, like a a child psychologist should have been involved. Right, you don't oh. want to just go up to your Again. kid, right, and be like, "Did someone poke you in the butt?"
0: Like yeah. that's not how you start nope. a conversation nope. like that. You know what nope. I mean? Yep. And I would, if I got a letter like this, and I had children, I would be immediately scared. Oh, I would you I'm, like? Mm-hmm immediately mm-hmm. so then there's no evidence to indicate that the
1: management of this preschool had any knowledge of the situation so are they just going about their normal business like first and foremost everything should have been shut down right if they yep. think something like exactly this is going on. Yep. they're just
4: gonna be like maybe it happened maybe it didn't but we're just gonna have just a wing it Just yeah. bring
1: in your kids so it's okay yeah, just, yeah the and it's still see, open yeah right. bucky will be there just don't talk to him about yeah. it yeah
4: And so, like, all these people you're reading is, like, theories of who could be responsible for the Mm -hmm. deaths.
0: These, this is just me backgrounding the satanic panic Mm -hmm. and what is going on at this time to tell you why they are honing in on these kids that they think are satanists. Right, okay. So, Johnson, she was the mother that started all this. She was diagnosed and hospitalized for acute paranoia schizophrenia and in 1986 was found dead in her home from complications of chronic alcoholism before the preliminary hearing on this case was conducted. In 1983, charges were laid in the McMartin Preschool Trial. Shortly afterwards, more than 100 preschools across the country became an object of similar sensationalist allegations. 100 preschools which were eagerly and uncritically reported by the press. Throughout the McMartin trial, media coverage of the defendants Peggy McMartin and Ray Bucky were unrelentingly negative, focusing only on statements by the prosecution. Key McFarlane was a social worker employed by the Children's Institute International. She developed a new way of interrogating children with atomically correct dolls and used them in an effort to assist disclosures of abuse in the McMartin trial. But she did it wrong. After asking the children to point to places on the dolls where they had allegedly been touched, she was asking leading questions, and McFarland diagnosed sexual abuse in virtually all of the McMartin children. She coerced declo- disclosures by lengthy interviews that rewarded discussion of abuse and punished denial. The trial testimony that resulted from such methods was often contradictory and vague and all the details except for the assertion that the abuse had occurred. So, like, none of it was actually, like, any details. They were just like, yeah, abuse. Mm. That was it. And she just diagnosed all of these kids over and over and over. After three years of testimonies, McMartin and Buckley, Bucky were acquitted on 52 of 65 counts of abuse, and the jury was deadlocked on their remaining 13 charges
3: oh, against Bucky
0: and 11 of the 13 jurors choosing not guilty. Bucky was retried and two years later released without conviction because he did not do it. This whole thing completely ruined these people's lives. They lost years of their lives to these false claims and honestly didn't have an easy time after they were acquitted. Well you can't just open yeah. up a new preschool right. for or a act. life. Yeah. Like yeah. How do you do anything. Find after a job. That? Yeah. Yeah. The McMartin lady was like in her eighties. Mm. She oh. was so old. Mm. She Friend. she was apparently having sex with animals. According to this woman. And drilling kids in the arm, whatever that, that means. Wow. And they, like, they had absolutely, like, no Basis. chance of a normal life yeah. after this mm-hmm. whole thing. And neither did the children that this happened to. So I had to give you a background on all of that, just because this is happening the same time, same area, as all of the, uh, as the boys are murdered. So mm-hmm. it happened in crazy. Arkansas mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. And the people at the time are convinced that everything bad happening has to be the work of satanic ritual abuse. They don't think that maybe there's just bad people who do we bad know, things. And there are, you know? There's yeah. just bad people there. Mm-hmm. Bad things? Bad things. Mm-hmm.
1: That was so very weak. I know.
0: <laughs> I just had to do it real quick because I was like, ah, mm-hmm. I'm so I this. I'm trying to read it as quick as I can, but then I'm getting tied. <laughs> The police went to Jason's trailer the day after the discovery of the boys to question him and to see where he and his friends had been the night of the murder. On the night of the murders, Jason, Jason,
3: <laughs> Jason,
0: <laughs> Damien, and Damien's girlfriend, Dominique had gone to Jason's uncle's house where Jason had cut the lawn and they had hung out for a bit. Damien called his dad later to pick him up at a laundromat where they were picked up at 6 p.m. Damien's father dropped Jason and Dominique off at their own homes, and he and Damien went home together. They were questioned illegally about that day without being Mirandaized, 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 <laughs> and without the consent of their parents. Mm. So they just went and just started interviewing them without telling them their rights, without notifying their parents because some of these kids are underage. Mm-hmm. Just thought that was okay. Damien said at the time, his girlfriend was four months pregnant, and he told the police that he thought what had happened to the boys was sick. And when asked what he thought had happened, he repeated what he was hearing on the news and what was being reported. He said, mutilations and such? Like, I don't really know, you know? And they used this against him later, even <sighs> though this is common knowledge at the time. Mm-hmm. So what would have been better if
1: he's like, I don't know? Then yeah. Then they would have been like, oh, that's suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, what? Either way. He, there, yeah. there was
0: no right answer for No for, way no. for him. Mm-mm. They even asked him if he believed in God or the devil. He said, I believe in God, but a female God. Evil, but not a devil. Mm. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> But it was
0: the wrong answer. Yeah, it was the wrong right. answer. he, he, he said, have just lied. He just said, yup. Yeah. Uh, Jason was also asked the same questions, but for, before he could answer, his mom came home and told the cops to get fucked. She said, Get the fuck out of here. And they left. Mama Bear. Yeah. Mm. The police interviewed Eccles on May 7th, again, two days after the bodies were discovered. And during a polygraph examination, he denied any involvement. The polygraph examiner claimed that Eccles' chart indicated deception, but when he asked, When asked to see the transcripts of the polygraph, it is nowhere to be found and is claimed to be lost.
1: Oh. Of course.
0: Yeah. Two men named Chris Morgan and Brian Holland. These are actually two men that were suspects in this case Mm. before these other boys were charged and accused of this crime, but nothing was done about this. And you guys are going to, I don't know, maybe feel the way I feel about this. Two men named Chris Morgan and Brian Holland both had drug offenses and both abruptly moved ocean- to Oceanside, California just four days after the bodies were discovered. Just abruptly left. Dang. Chris Morgan drove an ice cream truck corral in the neighborhood where the three boys lived. So it was assumed that he may have known the boys. On May 9th, the same day that Chris and Brian abruptly l- left, Detective Brian Ridge is again interviewing Damien. In this interview, Damien mentioned that one of the victims had wounds to his genitals. Law enforcement immediately viewed this as knowledge of an and as incriminating, even though that information was plastered everywhere at this point. It was pretty much common knowledge. Because he is being interviewed so much, Damien's grandma ended up selling her wedding ring to pay for a lawyer Mm. who was not allowed inside the police department. Ah, that is... He was not allowed There's inside not the police right department. That. that is not... A lawyer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that his oh. grandma sold her wedding ring to pay for because they were so poor. Mm. Disgusting. I yeah. just want to say
1: that's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's horrific. Yeah. We, You have a, a right to an attorney, and you have a right to have your attorney present for everything. And you're allowed to
0: choose your yeah. attorney exactly. on top of like, that. Exactly.
1: This is not giving anybody Oof. a fair Oop. fair trial, nothing, for yeah. doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah. I'm going to go sit with
0: the kids. Okay. <laughs> On May 17th, 1993, Morgan and Holland, those two guys, the two men who had ran away to California, both took polygraphs, administered by California police, because they had gotten picked up by okay. California police. Examiners reported that both men's charts indicated deception when they denied involvement in the murders. Hmm. During the questioning, Morgan claimed a long history of ju- drug and alcohol abuse, along with blackout and memory lapses. He claimed that he, quote, might have killed the victims, but quickly recanted that statement. California Police Department sent blood and urine samples of those men to West Memphis Police Department, but there is no indication that West Memphis Police Department ever investigated these men as suspects following the arrest. the in-
3: California.
0: Hmm. After California police officers thought something was fishy Hmm. and went ahead, took blood samples and urine, and said, hey, you should probably test these. Wow. Nothing Nothing. was done. Yeah. The relevance of Morgan recanting his statement would later be debated in trial, but it was eventually barred from omission as evidence in their trial. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Jason and Damien were a Uh, Acquainted with a boy named Jesse Miskelly from school, but they were not close friends with him. Jesse, like Damien, had dropped out of school, but was said to only have an IQ of 72, which is borderline intellectual dysfunctioning. So Mm. he had a hard time. You know, Mm -hmm. he didn't understand a lot, and a lot had to be explained to him in a different form than Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Jesse Miskelly was born July 10th, 1975. And at seven years old, he still couldn't say his ABCs. He couldn't count past 15. Mm. And the only reason that I'm saying this is because later in the story, people question whether or not this kid understood what the police were saying to him mm. when he was interrogated. Mm. People say, yeah, he's fine, but based on mm-hmm. what well, we are seeing here that he has an IQ of 72 and couldn't say his abc's at 7 and couldn't count past 15 right. i would say you shouldn't be we questioning know him yeah. yeah we know yeah. better yeah. he was a small kid who got picked on a lot and he ended up turning to fighting to kind of defend himself mm. his mother abandoned the family when he was just a baby and he had nine half siblings wow dang his family was described as loving but rough Jesse looked up to his dad, and his dad was his hero. But his dad drank a bunch and was rough around the edges, to say mm. the least. He was physically abusive, but Jesse was loyal to his father nonetheless. Oh, poor kid. He unfortunately was an easy target for what ended up happening later. After about a month, had passed, with little to no progress in the case, police continued to focus their investigation upon Damien Eccles, interrogating him more frequently than any other person. Nonetheless, they claimed that he was not regarded as a direct suspect, but a source of information. Police, using Vicki, remember Vicky, as an informant, for some reason, they just choose this random woman to be an informant for them, which,
4: yeah. a liar, too, yeah, right. who was
0: there to see if she was stealing from her employer. But we'll use her as an informant. It's fine. She's fine. They have her ask Jesse Miskelly information about the murder. And can you introduce me to Damien too? And Je- Jesse, like, barely knows Damien. Barely knows Jason. And he's like, I don't know anything about the murders. Like, he- I'm not really friends with damien and i just know jason because i was in second grade with him like, mm. and we're kind of neighbors like that's all but she convinces jesse to introduce her and set up a meeting with them mm. oh wow so okay. she asked the boys to come meet her at her trailer she sets up a bunch of like occult books to make them like comfy and set the scene you know mm. and on june 1st 1993 police set up a plan with vicky and place hidden microphones this in her home...
3: This sounds like a cheesy... What's wrong with these people? Yeah. Idiots.
0: ...so that they can listen in when they have Damien over. Oh, my gosh. During their conversation, Vicki reported that Damien made no incriminating statements and that their recording was crystal clear. Mm. But police say the recording was inaudible and that they couldn't use it. The meeting only lasted 15 minutes mm. in total. So on June second, nineteen 1993... Hutchinson told police about the two about two weeks after the murders were committed on May 19th her and Damien and Jesse Miskelly attended as a spot hmm. which is a witch meeting <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's a witch meeting in the woods Ooh. Um, she claimed that Damien had drove her and Jesse to the meeting and that there was a big orgy in the woods and that she had oh, got her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she got super uncomfortable and wanted to leave. So, Damien said, okay, and they just dropped off Jesse and then went back home. Oh, uh, she should get an Oscar
3: for <laughs> right. this
0: performance. Oh, no. But, like, also, I told you earlier, Damien doesn't have a license, can't drive, doesn't know how to drive, has never driven. <laughs> Unbelievable, and this is a well-known fact. Everybody knows in the city, that, but
3: like, he, yeah.
0: Well, don't you know that people in the occult they drive, they just drive randomly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. without yeah. knowledge of how we, knowing how yes, to drive exactly. Mm-hmm. So this fact is obviously a, a big lie. Mm-hmm. And he
1: used his witch
0: powers to drive the car. <laughs> <laughs> his mind
1: powers. He picked me up with his
0: mind and shook me like a dog. <laughs> like
3: a dog.
0: Hutchinson was unable to recall the wicked meeting location. And did not have any names of any other participants in the meeting. Surprise, surprise. Wow. And, <laughs> in October two thousand three, so we're fast forwarding quite a bit. Vicki Hutchinson years later, right? Yeah. Oh. Gave an interview to Arkansas Times in which she stated that every word she had given to the police was a fabrication. She further Oh my god. She further asserted that police had implied that if she did not cooperate with them, they would take away her child. What the hell? Do you think that really happened? I don't know. I mean, she's she, kind of cray Yeah, it could so. be, like, But yeah. the police department in this also, are yeah. also very shady. Yes.
1: I mean, she, I'm really surprised she admitted that she fabricated <sighs> it. Mm-hmm. I know. And I why? That. Why would she?
0: Because these people are innocent, and there's so many people that were like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, I like, so. eventually your conscience catches up to you, yeah. and you're like, okay, oh, you yeah, know, I'm a one. big drama queen, and mm-hmm. I made this up.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
0: just because I wanted attention. Yeah. yeah.
4: Just outing the police at this point, finally.
0: Yeah, so and she further asserted that the police implied that she they would take away her child, like I just said. When she visited the police station, employees had photographs of Damien Baldwin and Miss on the wall and they were using them as dart targets. Oh my Ooh. gosh, it's so crazy! Teenagers, oh my god, yeah, they were not proven guilty yeah, yet.
1: They, just,
2: they like, were
0: using them up. as dart targets mm, in the police office. People could see it,
1: yeah, too. That could that you imagine?
0: Yes, people are crazy. (sighs) So she convinced uh, Jesse Miskelly to go to the police so that they had another eyewitness account of having seen Eccles kill the children under the terms that she would split the reward money with him and he'd be able to buy his dad a new truck. Wow. Because you know how much he loves his dad. Yeah. So, she immediately used that Mm. as a way to manipulate this kid. She's a terrible person. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, on June 3rd, the police interrogated Jesse Miskelly. Despite his reported IQ and his status as a minor, Jesse Miskelly was questioned alone. His parents were not present during the interrogation. Cool. Miskelly's father gave permission for Jesse to go with the police, but did not explicitly give them permission for his son to be questioned or mm-hmm. interrogated, mm-hmm. especially to the extent that Miskelly was questioned for. He was interrogated for roughly 12 hours. Good grief. Only 46 minutes and told her were recorded of that 12 hours. We also know yes. what that does to your mind when you're yep. in a room like that. Not only... Those? Barely mentally functioning yeah. child.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 46 minutes yep. of 12 hours. Probably During... deprived of food. Yeah. Right. Dehydrated. Yeah. All
0: of that. And yeah. of course, under the, the fact that he's going to get reward money to buy his dad a new truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. During the recording, the actual recorded portion, Jesse had finally agreed to give police the story that they were clearly looking for. So this interrogation, if you ever get the chance to listen to it, it's awful. But you can hear the police. He will say something and the police will be like, don't you mean da 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 da? Mm. Or he says a certain time, he said, it was around 9 a.m. And he was like, well, you guys would have been in school. So wouldn't it have been later? Mm. And just like over and over and over, coercing this kid to give them the story that will implicate them in this murder. Wow. And despite an obvious unfamiliarity with many of the facts of the murder, Jesse was guided and guided carefully through this questioning by Inspector. (laughs) Inspector <laughs> Gadget. <laughs> That's Gadget. What I was gonna say. Inspector Gary Gitchell and Detective <laughs> Brian Ridge. Say that five times. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> they would yell and repeat things until Jesse would finally agree with them and got the story correctly. They would just yell at him and yell at him and yell at him. That's terrible. And they'd be like, oh. I don't think you mean what you're saying. I'm just like things like that over and over and there are a little bit of recorded of it these
4: people are so desperate to like make these stories work isn't it awful instead of everybody and anybody under the bus yes
0: and during the interrogation uh, Jesse managed not only to corroborate the unfounded suspicion that the West Memphis police had of Damien Eccles, but he managed to incriminate Damien's friend, Jason Baldwin, and wow. himself.
3: Wow.
0: Somehow, you know, and he doesn't have any knowledge of this. And like, one of the parts is so sad when he said, he said, I thought that if I had done this, I would remember. But they were telling Aww. me all these things, so I thought it had to have been true. And like something had happened to him that yeah, he just... Yeah, that he oh. just didn't remember. Aww. Isn't that sad? That's very sad. Um, Ms. Kelly did quickly recant his confession, um, citing intimidation, coercion, fatigue, and filed threats from the police. Mm. Miskelly specifically said he was scared of the police during the confession. And though he was informed of his Miranda rights, Miskelly later claimed that he did not fully understand them. No. I don't, know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think if he did. I don't think there's any way. He needed a parent or yes. an
1: attorney present yes, for him.
0: absolutely. Yeah. How do you let
4: a kid in the room like that by themselves? Like, who would agree to that anyways?
0: People trying to get their story. Mm-hmm. Any way that they can, how would the parents even agree with that? And they did probably
1: coerce, yeah. Well, he's his dad agreed to he it, agreed didn't he agreed
0: to let him go to the police station, oh. but they did not ask him to interrogate him. Yeah, so, that's messed up, and especially for 12 hours. Sorry, but I yeah. think cops should get in trouble for uh-huh. pulling that kind of stuff. Yup, yeah. And again, this poor, this poor kid has a very low IQ and very well probably did not understand what he was being told. Uh-huh. And in part of his interview, they the detective asked him if he knows what a penis is. Now he's 8 almost 18 at this point. you really think if he if they knew he didn't have a mental handicap that they would ask him if he no. knew
1: what a penis was? No, because they knew that there was he he had a mental handicap. That's yeah. why they asked that.
0: Yeah. Yep. A 17-year-old uh-huh. is going to know what that is. Uh-huh. Yeah. But they weren't sure because they knew he had a mental handicap. That's sad. Despite this fact, in 1996, the Arkansas Supreme Court ruled that Miskelly's confession was voluntary and that he did, in fact, understand his Miranda warning and its consequences. So he did understand his Miranda warning and the consequences that faced after he spoke. Mm -hmm. Without hesitation, Jesse Miskelly was arrested. Portions of Jesse's statement to the police were leaked to the press and reported on the front page of West Memphis Commercial appeal, appeal newspaper before any of the trials had began. Mm. Chief Inspector Gary Gitchell was so sure of his police work that when asked of by the local media on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that the, you have the correct suspects in custody? He replied, 11. Mm. Wow. So you're already just, just, just... They just wanted to get this closed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're just putting more and more, like... I'm so sure of it. I'm so sure of it. If any of you guys say no, then, like, you're going against the police department and all of this sureness that I have. If somebody is that sure, sometimes, well,
3: he a said lot 11. Of times I'm nervous. Yeah, 11. Mm-hmm. Like, Come on. Yeah.
0: I would be like, well, I'm pretty sure I have the guy, but, like, we'll find out in trial or mm-hmm. something yeah. like that. There's you always think, room for error. Yeah. The evidence will show. You yeah. know? Yeah. Later, Gitchell would stay on camera, but there's never been a moment that I have ever doubted that we did not arrest the right individuals. Never in my mind. There's never been a doubt. Gitchell believes there is no room for doubt and that his initial hunch was correct beyond question. So, this is already being reported in the media, so... Mm -hmm. If you're someone who's going to eventually be on this jury, Mm -hmm. you're already seeing this on the media, you're seeing the police, you're seeing all of this stuff, and you're already starting to form opinions Mm -hmm. on what and who you think is responsible.
3: Mm -hmm. It's going
1: to be very biased. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Crowds of angry locals driven by the the hysterical rumors of satanic human sacrifice and mysterious murdering cults waited outside of the courtroom and threw rocks at the defendant and shouted terrible things Mm. and told their wild stories to the media and to each other and just made up a bunch Mm of shit over and over and over Mm -hmm. and threw rocks at people like I do get it if you really do think that these kids murdered these three children Mm -hmm. like yeah you're gonna be a little upset but like the police purposefully planted this shit they were framed yeah the rumors were running rampant, and John Mark Byers, which was the stepfather of one of the victims, told the media that his stepson's testicles had been found under, or found in a jar of alcohol under Damien's bed. This was the dad not true. Yeah. That? yeah, and this oh was not true. The dad of Damien, or uh, no, the dad of John Mark Byers was one of the victim's dads, oh, So the child that he was missing the testicles. Yes, he's yeah. trying to say that they were in a
1: jar in Damien's. Room. Yeah. And like this wasn't true. Yeah, this there wasn't was true no at all. Basis for that claim.
0: Yeah, but the locals had heard it, and soon they were telling I'd it like it was out true. out if I heard yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Byers later claimed he had only heard heard the rumor over the police radio. Oh, so geez. not only were locals doing it, but the police were too. And shortly after Ms. Skelly's first confession, police went to the judge to ask for a warrant to re- arrest Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin. And when the judge asked them why they wanted to arrest Jason. Also, he, they just said, well, he hangs out with Damien. So. Oh, jeez. Like, wow. okay. he was literally guilty by association and yeah. nothing else. Carefully,
4: hang out with the craziest yeah. police department. Yeah, Wait.
0: police show up to Damien's trailer to arrest him and Jason. Jason, Damien, his girlfriend, and his sister were all just hanging out watching the movie Leprechaun. The <laughs> uh, <laughs> scary movie? Yeah. Oh my gosh. They were just hanging out. I guess they wanted scary movies on okay. their rags or whatever. Yeah. And they were just hanging out. But normally, Jason would be watching his siblings. But this night in particular, his mom was like, I, I, she was just so appreciative. She went up to him, thanked him. She thanked him for being such a good son and for watching the other boys. Mm-hmm. And she hired a babysitter. Mm. And she said, you go have some fun with your friends. And Aww. then he gets arrested. Because <laughs> normally yeah. he would be watching his brother. <laughs> wow. So the police come slamming into the door. Boom, 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 boom. At 10.30 p.m. at night. Damien went to answer the door and immediately was met by police. Who immediately threw him in cuffs, and same for Jason. So awful. Jason is in complete shock for like what is happening, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What is this for? What is this for?" Like, I think you have the wrong people, and they're like, "No, it's for murder." And mm-hmm. he's like, "No, no, no, you have the wrong people. Like, mm-hmm. you, no, like this is not us. We're just watching a movie." The whole time he's being placed in cuffs, he's just like, "No, you have the wrong people. You have the wrong people." Telling them that he had been at school that day. Mm. And the police officer went up to him and he said, "You really think if we pull your school records, it's going to show that you were in school?" And he said, "Yeah, because I was in school. Jeez." Oh, but they were already just like, no "Nope, pain. no, you weren't." The three boys were thrown into jail with just the information that their friend had confessed. Nothing else mm. was said to them. The next morning, they were taken into court where they were arraigned for the three counts of capital murder. Mm. They pled not guilty. The judge mentioned a confession and asked Damien if he wanted to read it out loud or if he could just read it to himself. Mm-hmm. But Damien had no idea right, who was there, what was going on, so he's just like, can you read it? To which the judge was, like, visibly angry about and just was like, here, you just read it and, like, mm-hmm. handed him the paper. Damien said he completely understood why the judge didn't want to have to read it aloud because it's absolutely horrific. And he's like, I wouldn't have wanted to read that out loud. And at this point, he had no idea why they confessed. And holy shit, (laughs) we didn't do any of this, you know, but it didn't matter. Eight months after the original confession on February 17th, 1994, Ms. made another statement to police. His lawyer, Dan (sighs) Statham, remained in the room this time. And continually advised Muskelly not to say anything. Mm. He kept saying, don't say anything. Don't say anything. But Muskelly ignored his advice and went into detail on how the boys were abused and murdered. Mm. But at this point, the cops are just so... They've already gotten the story from him. And they've already convinced him that he's forgotten everything. And that this is true. And that he's a horrible kid, and he has a low IQ, so he thinks that he, he did these things. And mm-hmm. just doesn't
1: remember. Yeah. He thinks he probably went on a rage yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he doesn't want to be a murderer, so he's like, no, I'm going to like confess to what I know. Mm. And his lawyers, you know, like, don't say anything, but yeah. he keeps he doing did. it. Because mm. he doesn't <sighs> know. Yeah, that's sad. Nobody's looking out for him. Yeah, Saddam, who later was elected to a civil judgeship, has written a detailed critique of the asserts of the major police errors and misconceptions during their investigation. Statham made similar comments during a radio show interview in May of 2010. Statham called the coroner's investigation extremely substandard. There was a small amount of blood found at the scene that was never tested, and according to HBO's documentary Paradise Lost, the child murders at Robin Hood Hill, 1996, and Paradise Lost 2, revelations 2000 no blood was found in the crime scene indicating that the location where the bodies were found was not necessarily the location in which the murders had actually taken place mm. after the initial investigation the police failed to control disclosure of information and speculation about the crime scene according to Leverett, quote police records were a mess to call them disorderly would be putting it mildly mild. Yeah, <laughs> which is not yeah, good, good. No. when you're delete when you're dealing with m- three murdered eight year old mm-hmm. boys.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: These are someone's kids, yeah. and I, yeah. they've forgotten. They're so set on convicting these other three kids mm-hmm. that they've forgotten about what this is all about, which yeah. is a horrific murder of an eight year old boy. justice, right. what yeah.
4: justice you can. for yeah. it's ha- How far down the road is this? Like,
0: this is just before even a trial has taken. place Okay. before they've even been convicted. Mm. And, it, like, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, but they weren't even given that mm-hmm. chance, right. you know? Leverett would also speculate this small lo- local police force was overwhelmed by the crime, which was unlike any that they had ever investigated. Mm. West Memphis police also refused an offer of aid from a different... Yeah, from, like, a consultation mm. from a violent crimes expert oh, of Arkansas. would have
1: been way better. Yeah, mm. so they
0: denied using this help. And this was because they were doing some other shady shit. People suggested that this was due to the West Memphis Police Department being under investigation by Arkansas State Police for so suspected So they didn't want theft. state help because yes. of
4: that. Well.
0: So, a different police department, the uh, Creedon Police county drug task force had had some drugs come up missing and the west memphis police department were suspects and were being investigated oh investigated at this time for that i wish that the state could
1: have just <laughs> taken it over and yeah. said you know right. hey, it's, you guys can't handle yeah. this it's a disgrace take all it the way around. yeah 100%. take it to a federal yeah. level at that point yeah goodness
0: so someone clearly didn't want them anywhere near that apartment can we take a little break going to take a Little daddy. Right. They didn't want them near the police department because they were probably the ones who stole those drugs. Mm. So, Leverett also noted that some of the physical evidence was stored in paper sacks that were from a grocery store. Oh. Rather okay. than controlled containers that you would wow. store evidence in. So. These police were just dumb. Yeah. Like Downright. way around.
1: I want to know who they are covering for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Me too. I really wonder that when I Mm -hmm. use those fish. Yeah. Every time I listen to this case on someone else's podcast, which shout out Morbid for doing a great fucking podcast on this one they're awesome they did like a four part episode on the West Memphis three case and it's so good she goes into so much detail about it but I don't think we t- we can talk a lot like they they, <laughs> dive. they dive into it yes, Yeah, they do but yeah I just yeah, I don't know they didn't do any of the controlled containers at all and when police speculated about the assailant the juvenile probation officer assisting at the scene of the murders stated it looks like Damian Eccles finally killed someone. Like at oh. when they found the body. Oh my god! Like, why, why
1: did they want to frame this person so badly? What was their, because like, he
0: was weird and he wore black just and because, he wore a trench coat. But really, was,
1: or like, did
4: they have something else like out against him or knew something like?
0: No, he was completely innocent. And like, they literally just targeted this kid and his friends who. Well, yeah, you're right. Didn't you have did anything. say they've mm-hmm. been
1: following them and stuff. And.
0: So interrogated him over and over for mm-hmm. just nonsense, you know? And he's just a poor kid who is depressed and just wants to be fucking left alone, and mm-hmm. he wants to listen to his heady music, and he wants to be hang out with his one friend, and he wants to be
4: left alone. And his girlfriend. In the meantime, pregnant. they're not, like, targeting the right person. Yeah. This whole time.
0: Yeah, and his girlfriend's pregnant at this time. He's mm-hmm. about to have his first baby. Well, yeah, the baby that they
1: think that they were having <coughs> the, for satanic yeah rituals. that they
0: think they're gonna sacrifice to satan meanwhile he's just having a baby so
1: those kind of accusations i'm not saying that there aren't terrible people that could do a terrible thing like that but that's a lot of effort to go through for or that. yeah or mm-hmm. like
0: so much work it's, it's so much awful. effort it's that's so awful clearly planted you know it's yeah. just no evidence to make them look as evil yeah. as possible yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody has a soft spot for babies. So as soon as you're you say you hear that, you're like, "Oh, your they're baby. awful!" Yeah, because yeah.
1: they're innocent. They can't say yeah. anything. And or you defend couldn't himself. imagine. No, yeah. exactly. So yeah, that's so sad.
0: So they really had Damien pinned with this crime from the beginning, like the very beginning. His son would later be born on September 9th of that year, and he was not able to hold his baby until eventually his trial. He was able to hold him, but that's the first time he was able to do that. Before the trial, Jesse had been reading about um, the case in the trial and in the paper, and he asked his lawyer one day who Satan was. He didn't know who Satan was. Oh, jeez. A Satan worshipper mm-hmm. didn't yeah. know who Satan was. He said, who's Satan? Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Miskelly was tried separately from Damien and Jason, and Damien and Jason were tried together in 1994. Under the Bruton rule, Miskelly's confession could not be admitted against his co-defendants, so they were instead trialed separately on mm. purpose, and all three defendants pled not to so we're going to go into Jesse Muskelly's trial now. During Muskelly's trial, uh, Richard O'Shea, an expert on false confessions and police coercion, he testified that the brief recording of Muskelly's interrogation was a classic example of police coercion. Hmm. And he pointed out how the officers heard Jesse state that the murders had taken place in the morning, but since then, since they knew that the victims had been at school all day, they suggested to Jesse that it must have been later. And that he was in the woods at the time. And wow. Jesse, you know, he just blindly agreed because we all, you, you How know, sad. we know. Yeah. Many things that would help Jesse's case were completely and illegally barred from court. Hmm. The testimony of his expert witness for Jesse's defense was not heard in its entirety by the jury. And photographs of the room where Jesse was given his polygraph test, uh, which he actually passed but was told that he failed, (laughs) and they told him that the polygraph could read his mind. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're taking
1: full advantage of
0: this young man. This picture showed a baseball bat leaning in the corner Mm -hmm. of where he was getting interrogated. Remember, he said he was terrified of these police. He probably thought he was going to be beat to death with Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Seeing how the West West Memphis police officer had had no problem using unlikely tactics to get false confessions. I don't think it's unlikely that they would have this baseball bat as a tool to get this confession from him in their questioning. And it could have certainly persuaded me or motivated Mm -hmm. me to give a false confession if I thought they were going to hurt me, Right. let alone this kid that only had an IQ of 72. Mm -hmm. And since very little of this 12-hour ordeal was recorded, we can't know what Jesse was subjected to. Mm -hmm. We just can't. His various confessions were, in many respects, inconsistent with each other, as well with with the particular crime scene and the murder. Because they were feeding the him
1: the information they wanted him to mm-hmm.
3: give.
0: Yeah, including the admission that Miskelly watched Damien rape one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Police had initially sus- suspected that the victims had been raped because of that their anuses were dilated. However... There was no forensic evidence indicating that the murder, the murdered boys had been raped. Dilation of the anus is normal post-mortem. But, see, that was going to mm-hmm. be my question. Yeah, it's like, normal.
1: What, what would explain that happening? Yeah. Everybody hears dilation. They're like, oh my god, they yeah. had to mm-hmm. have been raped. Yeah. But it's normal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, on February 5th, 1994, Ms. Kelly was convicted by a jury of one count of first-degree murder and two counts of second-degree murder. Oh court sentenced him to life plus 40 years in prison. His conviction was appealed, but the Arkansas Supreme Court affirmed his conviction. Wow. And when I was reading this too, they said that um his lawyer would try and like bring something up and the judge would be like, "No, that can't be admitted." And so finally he was just like, "So what can I say?" And he was just like, "Well, we can just send the jury out and we can discuss this and then we'll resume."
1: Yeah, so he was like so sending they the jury back and forth. not hear what they were yep. talking about over That's, and over
0: and over. This Isn't that whole This whole thing
4: is so dumb. Yep. It yeah, really in is. every way. Doesn't it, it make you angry? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it made me
0: so angry. I it took me so long to write this case because I just kept getting mad She's, and I would just yeah. <laughs> slam yeah. the computer and I'd be like, "Ugh, I want to started read working it.
1: on this like from the very beginning.
0: <clears> this was one of his first up, cases. Yeah. yeah. He was convicted. And we're gonna get into Damien and uh, Jason's case. So they tried
1: them separately. Yes. Okay.
0: Because um, Jesse's confession was not allowed in their case, so yeah. they didn't want um, they didn't want them to be like, oh, there's not enough evidence, and it was it was easier for them to convict them if they were separate mm-hmm. because they didn't have enough evidence, yeah. regardless. That but if sense. they did them separate, they could you know finagle it a little bit. Three weeks later was Jason and Damien's case and they went on trial. The prosecution ac- accused the three young men of committing a satanic murder. The prosecution called Dale W. Griffiths a graduate of the unaccredited Columbia Paci- Pacific University oh, as an expert in the occult to testify that the murders were satanic rituals. Okay. Dale Griffith. The supposed expert faked his credentials at the time and when was called out on this fact in court, they did not care that he faked these credentials. They're
1: mm. no, like, we don't care. We really oh, really he's, an expert. Right. Yeah, he's okay. an expert. He's an expert. It's okay. So We found him on the side of the road. He yeah. right. knows what he's talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they still allowed him to make quote-unquote expert statements on this trial and this the whole trial was just like an all-out shit show and a complete disgrace mm-hmm. from day one. They made this out this whole thing about satanic and devil and the devil and nothing about the poor little boys who were murdered, they went on a literal witch hunt. Like, literal. Yes,
2: they did.
0: And they even doctored records in the favor of, like, the satanic, quote-unquote, ritual, calling this case number 666. And when asked, they said it was just the next number to be used as the case. But in reality, it should have been numbered 555. And are the parents, like, <laughs> going for
4: all these theories and, like... Yeah, a
0: lot of the p- people believe them. Um, because it's, it's everywhere. The parents believe this whole thing?
3: Yeah.
0: Well. I mean, for a little while. Mm.
1: Of course. So they were, always. like,
0: pulling out every little tiny trick that they could to convince like, people so take, of the... Take, yeah. Take, take, take. Just like Jesse's trial, evidence was not allowed in court proving the men's innocence. And people like Vicki Hutchinson... Were allowed to make false, incriminating statements during the trial. Jason said that he thought if he was honest and told everyone the truth, that there would be no way that he would get convicted of something that he didn't do. So he was just honest the whole time. He said, we all believed in the same God. And everybody in that courtroom was preaching about God. So he's like, I believed in God. So I thought the God that I was... Worshipping in the God that everybody else was worshipping wouldn't have allowed me to get convicted of something that I didn't do. Wow. Yeah, this was a statement from him.
1: <laughs> Isn't wow. that sad? It yeah. is. Super. Really. So sad. on
0: March nineteenth, nineteen ninety four, Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin were found guilty on three counts of murder. The court sentenced Damien Eccles to death, and Baldwin to life in prison. Death. Mm. To death. Oh my Damien was sentenced to Monroe County Jail and was basically tortured the entire time he spent in lockup Mm, and spent most of his time in solitary confinement. They did not allow him access to any medical care, and because of this, to this day, he suffers from intense medical conditions Mm. that barely allow him to live. So they fucked this man up. They did. At the trial, the defense team argued that the news articles from the time could have been the source for Eccles' knowledge about the genital mutilation. Like, they were like, hey, like, this was all over the news. Like, we knew about it, it's possible he could know about it, and it's not really incriminating, you know? Because it's everywhere. Mm. The prosecution claimed that Damien's knowledge was nonetheless too close to the facts, since close, there was no public reporting of drowning, of or that one victim had been mutilated more than the other. Wow. Damian Eccles testified that Detective Ridge's, Ridge's description of their earlier conversation, which was not recorded, regarding those particular details, was inaccurate, and indeed that some of the other claims by Ridge were lies. Mara Leverett, which was a woman and a ju- journalist and an author. Um, she wrote the book Devil's Knot, which is where I got some of this information. She argues that Damien Eccles, that the information may have come from police leaks, such as Detective Gitchell's comments to Mark Byers that circulated among the local publics. The defense team objected when the prosecution attempted to question Eccles about the past violent behaviors, but the defense um, objections were overruled. Mm. So. So no, now, no. yeah, mm. now we're going to just get into some strange information that happened after the trials and kind of leaded them to being released. Um, so this is just some strange information that obviously was not allowed in court, but was known about before the men were convicted. John Mark Byers, which was the adoptive father of the victim Christopher Byers, gave a knife to a cameraman, Doug Cooper, who was working on a documentary. Makers Joe Billinger and Bruce Seinskofsky, he was working with them while filming the first Paradise Lost, which is a great documentary. They just said that they were going to continue making a documentary every year until these men were released because they believed their innocence so much. Wow. So this was... What was being filmed oh, wow. So John Mark Byers gave one of these filmmakers A knife Okay, The knife was a folding hunting knife Manufactured by Kershaw According to the statements given by Billinger and Sinskofsky Cooper informed them about the receipt of the knife On December 19, 1993 After the documentary crew Returned to New York Billinger and S- Sinskofsky were reported to have Discovered that it appeared to have blood On the knife mm hbo executives ordered them to return the knife to the west memphis police department because they were like holy shit like take that shit back Mm -hmm. the knife was not received at the police department until january 8th of 1994 which was after they got convicted conveniently yeah but it was sent before
1: yeah how can you
0: and okay it does track that you know how like certain murderers when they don't get caught they, they like yeah kind of like oh here's a little like something yeah Yeah. and they're very narcissistic Uh yeah Yeah. yup so that stood out to me right away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um buyers initially claimed that the knife had never been used however after the blood was found on the knife buyers stated that he had used it only once to cut up deer Mm meat of course yeah when told the blood matched both his and Chris's blood type Mm -hmm. buyers said that he had no idea that blood how that blood might have gotten on the knife sure Mm -hmm okay <laughs> yeah during the interrogation the west memphis police department suggested to buyers that he might have just left the knife out accidentally and buyers i agreed love when
1: there's this. giving suggestions yeah they're like you know? just yeah. left it out and that's it just great yeah. You know, yeah yeah great work yeah there.
0: so buyers later stated that he may have cut his thumb and that's how it got on there oh, oh. yeah i remember yeah Further testing of the knife uh, produced inconclusive results about the source of the blood, and then certainly remained due to the small amount of blood that was on there. Mm -hmm. And because both John Mike Byers and Chris Byers had the same type of blood, and Mm -hmm. same genotype, Byers agreed to and passed the polygraph test, quote-unquote, about the murders during the filming of the second Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. But the documentary indicated that Byers was under the influence of uh, several psychoactive prescription medications that could have affected the test results. On May of 1994, the three defendants appealed their convictions, and the convictions were upheld on direct appeal. On June of 1996, Ms. Skelly's lawyer, Dan Statham, was preparing an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Following their convictions... Eccles, Miskelly, and Baldwin submitted imprints of their teeth because they thought that someone had bit the mm-hmm. cheek. Oh, yeah. And that these were compared to the alleged bite marks on Stevie Branch's forehead that had not been mentioned in the original autopsy or trial. Mm-hmm. No matches were found. John Mark Byers had his teeth removed in 1997. Conveniently. Oh. After the first trial, but before the imprint could be made, he stated the reasons for the removal were that he had seizure medication was taking, uh, taking his teeth and caused periodontal disease, mm. and that he had planned to remove them because of other dental problems, which had troubled him for years.
1: Mm. Yeah. Or because maybe he was trying to eat humans, maybe right. that's
0: why he had to have <clears throat> them removed. Could you imagine if it was, he was actually trying to eat people? Mm-hmm. After an expert examined autopsy photos and noted what he thought might be imprints of a belt buckle instead mm. on Byers' corpse, the oh. elder Byers' boy revealed to the police that he had been spanked by his stepfather yeah. shortly before the dip boy disappeared. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he could have. It could have been. They think it
1: was a belt buckle, not a bite. Yeah.
0: Well it didn't say on the head at all. Oh, it just said I thought on the corpse.
1: They were mm, yeah. You know yeah, making know. that connection yeah. of the, to the bite mark. Mm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think
0: they just found it on him. So, DNA testing in 2007 that was collected from the crime scene was tested, and none was found to match the DNA of Damien Eccles, Jason Baldwin, or Jesse Miskelley. Mm. A hair not consistent with Steve Branch's stepfather, Terry Hobbs, was found tied in the knots used to bind one of the victims. The prosecutors, while conceding that no DNA evidence tied the accused to the crime scene, said... The state stands behind the convictions of Eccles and his co defendants regardless. Mm-hmm. Pamela Hobbs, which was married to Terry Hobbs, which was the man that had the knife and gave the knife away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. May 5th of 2009, one hair was consistent with the hair of Terry Hobbs' friend, David Jacoby. And additionally, after the murders, she said, my sister Jolene and I found in Terry's nightstand a knife that Stevie carried with him consistently. And which I had believed was with him when he died. Mm. She thought that knife was on her son when he died. And it was a pocket knife that my father had given to Stevie. Mm. And Stevie loved that knife. I had been shocked that the police did not find it with Stevie when they found his body. So the kid always had it. Yeah. And she said, quote, I assumed that my son's murderer had taken the knife during the crime. I could not believe it was in Terry's things. He never told me he had it. That was the dad? Yeah, that was the man she was married to. Oh like the stepdad. Yeah, the stepdad. Yeah. Wow. She said also my sister, Jo Lynn, told me that she saw Terry wash clothes, bed linens, and curtains from Stevie's room at an odd time around the time of the murders. Yeah. The dad, I mean. not the stepdad. Yeah. It's the stepdad, yeah. A stepdad. Stepdad, Step okay. dad, yeah.
1: Did these people like were these men that were just like, Yeah, let's get together and kill these kids? Like, I just This is so weird to me. And what what kind of beef do you have with an eight year old? Right, unless he was abusing him. Yeah, yeah.
0: He he sounds like he's just Uh an angry man. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just
0: can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine.
4: I thought it was him. Well, I I was gonna say I thought it was him from the beginning.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of people do thought something
1: was suspicious.
0: Yeah, because he was the one looking in the neighborhood and being like, oh yeah. Can't find mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but didn't call the cops for He was mm-hmm. not the first to call the cops. First. In 2013, written statements from two men, Billy Wayne Stewart and Beanie Guy, were introduced into the court. They both claimed to have had information on the case linking Terry Hobbs to the murder, but were ignored by the police initially. Of course. Mm-hmm. In uh, July of 2008, it was revealed that Kent Arnold, the jury foreman on Jason Echol, or Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin's trial, had discussed the case with an attorney prior to the beginning of the deliberations, which is illegal. Mm. Arnold was accused of advocating for the guilt of the West Memphis Three and sharing the knowledge of admissible evidence. Yeah. Like the Jesse Miskelly statements with other jurors.
1: Unbelievable. Right?
0: At the time, legal experts agreed that this issue could result in the reversal of the convictions of Baldwin and Jamie Neckles. They were like, right off the bat, that could have just turned that over right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In September of 2008, attorney, now judge, Daniel Statham, which was the attorney who was helping uh, Jesse Muskelly, which is Mm -hmm. a good guy. Mm -hmm. In 1994, he testified a post-conviction hearing. Statham testified under oath that during the trial, Judge David Burnett made improper communications with the jury during its deliberation. Statham overheard Judge Burnett discussing taking a lunch break with the jury foreman and heard the foreman reply... But
3: they cannot do that! Yeah. He heard the
0: foreman reply that the jury was almost finished. He testified that Judge Burnett responded, You'll need food for when you come back for the sentencing. Yep, Mm, and that the foreman asked in return, what happens if the defendants are acquitted? Statham said that the judge just closed the door without answering. He testified that his own failure to put put the the incident on the court record and his failure to meet the minimum requirements in the state law to represent a defendant in a capital murder case was evident of ineffective assistance of counsel and that Miskelly's conviction should therefore be vacated. Wow. Mm. So... Right wow. there. Yep. In 2007, Eccles petitions for a retrial based on the statute permitting post-conviction testing of DNA evidence due to the technological advances made since 2000, or, since 1994, which might provide exoneration for the wrongfully convicted men. Wow. But on October 29th, 2005. Seven papers were filed in a federal court by Eccles defense lawyers seeking a retrial or his immediate release from prison. The file cited that DNA evidence leaking Terry Hobbs, stepfather of one of the victims, to the scene, and the new statement from Hobbs, now ex-wife, also presented in the filings, was new expert testimony that the supposed knife marks on the victims included Injuries to the buyer's genitals were, in fact, the result of an animal activity. After the bodies? Yeah, yeah. after the bodies had been dumped. Okay. so they were, yeah, yeah,
1: messed with long after yeah. they were gone, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Hmm. yeah. The petition failed when the original trial judge, Judge David Burnett, disallowed the presentation of this information in court. Yes. This ruling was, in turn, thrown out by the Arkansas Supreme Court and as to all three defendants on November 4th, 2010. Oh wow. Gosh. On September 10th, 2008, Circuit Court Judge Dave Burnett denied the request for a oh retrial, my citing that the DNA test as inconclusive, yes. and that the ruling was appealed... <sighs> To the Arkansas, this is a, like years later, this is forever. Were, He's holding this because he thinks they were right, or at least did not want to, like you know, admit, yeah, admit it. Yeah. Admit yeah. it. The DNA tests were inconclusive. The ruling appealed to the Arkansas Supreme Court, which heard an oral arguments in the case on September 30th, 2010. On November 4th, 2010, Arkansas Supreme Court ordered the lower judge. The Arkansas Supreme Court ordered a different, a lower judge mm-hmm. to consider whether a new, newly analyzed DNA evidence might exonerate the three. Wow. So they were like, can you please look into this? Mm-hmm. Someone else. Wow. The justices also instructed the lower court to examine the claims of misconduct by the mm-hmm. jurors who sentenced Damien Eccles to death and Jamie, er, Jesse Miskelly and Jason Baldwin to life in prison. So they were like... Something needs to be done. You gotta look into this, please. Someone else. In early December 2010, Dave Burnett was elected to Arkansas State Senate. Great, we, mm. what a winner they picked on that one. Right. Fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck you, David Burnett. I hope you burn in fucking hell because you fucking believe in it. So, like hope you burn holding, in it.
1: Kai is holding back right now. Yeah, yeah. fuck she, this guy. Kai's <laughs> not really telling us how she feels. No.
2: Fuck you,
0: David Burnett. I hope you have a itchy butthole for the rest of your fucking (laughs) life and it never goes away (laughs) okay so he was elected to the arkansas state senate and circuit court judge david lesser was selected to replace david burnett and preside in the the evidentiary hearings mandated by the successful appeal that finally happened (laughs) finally after weeks of negotiations on august 19th of 2011 Eccles, Baldwin, and Miskelly were released from wow. prison as part of a plea deal, though, <laughs> oh. making the hearing orders by the Arkansas Supreme Court unnecessary. So Stephen Barga, an attorney with ropes and gray who took up Eccles' defense pro bono, so he did it f- completely free, mm-hmm. bases, like, just like, just wanting to help this. Yeah, stuff. he yeah. just wants to help him. In the beginning of two thousand nine, he negotiated the plea arrangement with the prosecutors, okay. and this was the only way that they were going to get out of jail. Like literally the only way. The three entered into a very unusual Alfred plea deal, which does not happen very often. Mm-hmm. The Alfred plea is a legal loophole that allows to plead guilty Mm -hmm. while still asserting their actual innocence. But defendants acknowledge that the prosecutors have sufficient evidence to secure a conviction. So Mm -hmm. they're
1: basically saying like, yeah, we can see how maybe you framed us even though we didn't do it. Yeah, but we're we're guilty, quote quote, quote, unquote. Bullshit. So, ruin their whole life. Mm -hmm. I want to know who came up with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That loophole.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's probably
1: saved some people, but like, yeah, definitely saved these guys. But it's crappy. But
0: yeah. (laughs) So, under the deal, uh, Judge David Lesser vacated the previous convictions, including the capital murder conviction for Eccles and Baldwin, and ordered a new trial. (sighs) Each man then entered an Alfred plea to the Lesser charges of the first and the second degree murder while verbally stating their innocence. Okay. Judge Lesser then sentenced... Sentenced. Sentenced. <laughs> Sentenced. <laughs> Sentenced them, them to time tired. serve. <laughs> I just can't talk. <laughs> a total of 18 years and 78 days that they had served. They served 18 years and 78 Jeez. days in prison. Wow. And they were each given a suspended imposition of sentence for 10 years. So if they reoffended, they could get sent back to prison for 21 years. Reoffended murder, or just reoffended
1: up In general. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was gonna say twenty-one years. Yeah. That could be a no, lot like, for a a some yeah. crimes. Not a lot for murder. I think but, for anything. Yeah.
0: So factors cited by prosecutor, or prosecutor Scott Ellington for agreeing to the plea deal included that two of the victims' family had joined the cause of the defense. And the mother of a witness who testified about Eckel's confession mm. had questioned her daughter's truthfulness, mm. saying that she didn't believe her, and that the state's crime lab employee who collected a fiber evidence at Eckel and Baldwin's home mm-hmm. after arrest, he had died, so they couldn't they couldn't use his as truth either. Mm. And as part of the plea deal, the three men cannot pursue civil action against the state's wrongful imprisonment. Oh my gosh! Yup.
3: After they spent
0: 18 years in jail. In the prime of their people. life.
1: Yes. They, like, what do you do? You can't. How, at that point. You can't do anything. You've been in prison for so long. Oh. You don't have any skills.
0: You've lost so... And Damien was in solitary confinement for almost... I think they said almost 10 years. That's he was in insane. solitary. So his eyesight is That's shit. Insane. He has no teeth. He's just, like, Aww. riddled with pain mm. all the time. And... He's really not that old, but no. But he got fucked over. Yeah. In two thousand eleven, supporters pushed Arkansas Governor Mike BB Bibby to pardon Eccles, Baldwin, and Miskelly based on their innocence. Mm. Bibi said that he would deny their request unless there was evidence showing someone else committed the murder. So he won't <sighs> give them innocence. Wow. Prosecutor Scott Ellington said that the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory would help seek other suspects by running searches on any DNA evidence produced in a private laboratory testing Mm. during the defense team's investigation. This would include running the results through the FBI's combined DNA index system database. Ellington said that although he still considered the men guilty, the three would likely be acquitted if a new trial trial was held because of the power legal counsel representing them now Mm. and the loss of evidence over time and the change of heart among some of the witnesses. Like, yeah, because he probably the fact that they probably fucking didn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> and nothing. If you think that if they go back to trial and they're gonna be acquitted, it probably means you think that you don't have enough evidence. Exactly to hold them. Oh, there.
1: The loss of evidence over
0: time mm-hmm. and the change of heart among witnesses. Fuck you. They didn't change. Fuck you, Ellington. They didn't too. have a change of heart. They
1: finally admitted <laughs> they were lying.
0: Yeah. They said, oh, I have a conscience now. Why they didn't have like, it before, what who knows? was that? Vicky. Vicky. Fucking Vicky. I know. a Fucking couple fucking Vickys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. The families of
0: the three victims are divided in their opinions as to the guilt or the innocence of the West Memphis Three. In 2000, the biological father of Chris Byers, so not Hobbs, mm-hmm. Rick Murray expressed his doubts about the guilty verdicts on the West Memphis Three okay. website. mmm In 2007, Pamela Hobbs, which was married to Terry Hobbs, the mother of the victim, victim, Stevie Branch, joined those who have publicly questioned the verdict, calling for a reopening of the verdicts and further investigation of the evidence. So she doesn't believe that they're guilty either. I'm glad she's she's pushing
1: for that. Yeah.
0: In late two thousand seven, John Mark Byers, who before firmly believed that Eccles, Muskelly, and Baldwin were guilty, also announced that he now believes that they are innocent. What he said, I made the comment that if they were proved, if they were ever proven that the three were innocent, I'd be the first to lead the charge for their freedom," oh said God. Byers, and take every opportunity that I that I have to voice wow. that the West Memphis three are innocent. Okay, that is a change
3: of heart. Yeah, Ooh. and that
0: the evidence yes. and proof. That they are innocent. Wow. Byers has spoken to the media on behalf of the convicted and has expressed his desire for justice for the families of both the victims and the three accused. Yes,
1: we can all agree with that.
0: And that's one of their fathers. Yeah. Mm. So in 2010, this is a funny little thing about Terry Hobbs. So in 2010, a district judge, Brian S. Miller, ordered Terry Hobbs, the stepfather (laughs) of the victim, Stevie Branch, to pay seventeen thousand five hundred and ninety dollars to the Dixie Chick singer, <laughs> Natalie Maines, <laughs> for legal costs because, um, she he filed a defamation lawsuit against, against her band? and the band because she she thought he killed her, his stepson and she she openly had said that and so he she's allowed to her opinion yeah so mm-hmm. he he sued her over this and the judge was like no. You have to pay her two thousand or $17,000 because it's very of the, yeah, the <laughs> defamation and all this. So Miller uh, dismissed a suit Hobbs filed over Maine's in remarks and writings implying that he was involved in the killings of his stepson. Mm. And the judge said that Hobbs had chosen to involve himself in the public discussion right. over whether the convictions were just because he was going off about... The three boys being released. Shout and out he to
1: Natalie means for like <laughs> caring about this and saying something. That's bug. we love a queen. <laughs> Let's go. That's amazing. Good for her. Yeah. So John E.
0: Douglas, a former longtime FBI agent and a current criminal profiler, said that said that the murderers were more indicative of a single murderer hmm. intent on degrading and punishing the
3: victims. Mm-hmm
0: rather than a trio of unsos- yes. unsophisticated yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Douglas believed that the perpetrator had a violent history and was familiar with the victims and the local geography.
4: Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy's a good cop. Yeah. yeah. Douglas served as an FBI <laughs> unit chief of the investigative support unit of National Center of Analysis of Violent Crime for, for 25 years. He stated in his report for Eccles legal team that there was no evidence the murders were linked to any satanic rituals and that the post-mortem animal activity would explain the allegations of the neck injuries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said that the victims had died from a combination of blood force trauma and drowning in the crime, which he believed was driven by Personal causes. Yes. Mm. They, they had, that was personal. Yeah, it yeah. was personal. Not random. Mm-hmm. Right. In 1994, a memorial was erected for the three murder victims. Mm. The memorial is located in the playground of Weaver Elementary School in West Memphis. Mm. All three victims were second graders at the time of the crime. What's that sink in? Second, second graders. Second graders. That they completely botched. Yeah their investigation for these second graders. In May of 2013 for the 20th anniversary of the murders, Weaver Elementary School Principal Shayla Grissom raised funds to refurbish the memorial. mm -hmm. This case is just like so incredibly tragic and from start to finish there's so many lives affected by this crime. Parents lost their children. The families of Mm -hmm. these boys. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even begin to imagine the Pain they feel from experiencing and this. And that goes yeah. for
1: all the boys. The boys oh wrongfully God. accused. Yes. And sure. the boys that lost their lives at yeah. such a young age.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
0: like Jason. Everything that you hear about Jason was just like he was a sweetheart that just yeah. like took care of his siblings and like now his mom probably had to struggle even more than what she did previously right. because yeah. she relied on him so much, mm-hmm. you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The three boys who were wrongfully convicted like of this disgusting crime, like, essentially mm-hmm. lost their whole life in this process, mm-hmm. too, yeah. you know? The yeah. prime time of their lives Yeah, yeah. they spent in, behind bars. Yep. And the three victims truly were robbed of justice mm-hmm. and were treated secondary in this fight for a quote-unquote morality. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what else you would call it, you but... They just used them
1: as a reason to yeah. push their agenda And a Oh, off. yeah. Example. For sure.
0: Yeah. It's mind-blowing that people involved with this, like stuff could even sleep at nine after ruining so many people's life and completely failing to do their job yeah, and letting the down the community and three eight-year-old boys mm-hmm. yeah
3: wow fuck <laughs> well, that was a long one
0: <laughs> but i feel like like all of that ne- information was just like so needed to mm-hmm. get the proper story just so that everybody knows, like, mm-hmm. what is going on in this case. And it's been long, but we have one little thing we want to do before the end of this, and we just want to... We do, try to do this every time. Yeah. We just want to go over a little bit about the victims and who they were before we go, so we don't <laughs> forget about them. Because they're the ones at the end of the day that this is really like about. This. Steve Branch,
1: Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore were all second graders at Weaver Elementary School. Each boy had achieved the rank of wolf in the local Cub Scout pack were best friends steve edward branch was the son of stephen and pamela branch who divorced when he was a baby his mother had custody of steve and later married terry hobbs stevie was an eight-year-old four foot two inches tall weighed 65 pounds and had blonde hair he was last seen wearing blue jeans and a white t-shirt and riding a black and red bicycle he was an honor student he lived with his mother pamela hobbs his stepfather terry hobbs And a four year old half sister, Amanda. Steve Edward Branch is buried in Mount Zion Cemetery in Steele, Missouri. Christopher Mark Byers Christopher Byers was born to Melissa Defer and Ricky Murray. His parents divorced when he was four years old, and shortly afterwards, his mother married John Mark Byers. Christopher was eight years old, four feet tall, weighed 52 pounds, and had light brown hair. He was last seen wearing blue jeans, dark shoes, and a white long sleeve shirt. He lived with his mother, Sharon Melissa Byers, and stepfather, John Mark Byers, and his stepbrother, Sean Ryan Clark. According to his mother, Christopher was a typical eight-year-old. He still believed in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. innocence. Christopher Mark Byers is buried in Forest Hill Cemetery in East Memphis, Tennessee. James Michael Moore. Michael Moore was the son of Todd and Dana Moore. He was eight years old, Four feet two inches weighed 55 pounds and had brown hair. He was last seen wearing blue pants and a blue Boy Scouts of America shirt and an orange and blue Boy Scout hat and riding a light green bicycle. Moore enjoyed wearing his scout uniform even when he was not at meetings. He was considered the leader of the group. He lived with his parents and his sister John. James Michael Moore is buried in Crittiton? I
0: know, I kept having a hard
1: time with that one. Memorial Park (laughs) Cemetery in Marion, Arkansas. Mm. Wow.
0: So sad. So sad. What are you guys' final thoughts on this one? I know it was long. I know you guys are tired, but we kind of talked a little bit about it throughout it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I just think the mess up of the police... To begin with, it was just yeah. absurd, and that you can go down that rabbit hole, and people like believe you.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: you know. Yeah, and like and you just harmful. make up
4: stuff to like plead your case, you know.
1: Yeah, using that authority to like
4: make up lies. And yeah, and ruin like so that. many people's lives over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's sad.
1: Yeah. Um. It's unbelievable. Did you? You said initially you thought that that was it—a stepfather, Terry Hobbs. Yeah. 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 You think he was involved? Like even before we dived into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What I, gave you that
4: feeling? I don't know. Just it felt like there was some foul play there mm-hmm. somehow.
1: Yeah, something wasn't right about yeah. it. Yeah, and those boys, like they were all too young mm-hmm. to the ones that were accused. Yeah, of yeah it. all of them my God. It just seems like it was mentioned too sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or to have been. And...
0: Yeah, the whole um, for one, hong tying them for two, taking those sticks. and like them down to the ground so they mm-hmm. don't float that like yeah. that's like, a lot of force that. Yeah.
1: that one young man that he couldn't even say his alphabet how he know? right that,
0: and Terry you know. Hobbs was one of the I think he said that they were one of the boy scout leaders mm-hmm. he was one of the boy scout that leaders seems like do you think that, that the step
4: down was involved with the police at all
1: I
0: don't know it doesn't really yeah, I'm it's i really so just odd. wondering if they
4: he had something over their head or
1: some kind of friendship
4: yeah, like yeah. somebody there yeah, yeah. yeah. and so like I
1: yeah. Don't they get tried first? Like, don't they like make usually investigate sh- the yeah. parents?
0: Yeah, you would think so. You would think there's so. really
1: not a whole lot of conversation around investigating the parents. No. Yeah, how they cleared them or any of that. Yeah, yeah. and that's that, a, yeah, you're weird. right. They usually go yeah. parents first yeah. or anybody close yeah. to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
4: and then work from there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the fact that this
1: guy was so obsessed with that
4: kid to begin with—he
0: was so obsessed. Yeah, like yeah. years, years even weird. before. Like, there is a yeah. lot of,
4: like, nonsense in that whole case, like, yeah. <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. It's right. just,
0: like... a mess. Yeah. It's and this is why I've referred to it so many times in all the other episodes this whole season. I've just been like, oh, just like it's... the West Memphis three, Just yeah. like those, oh. mm, But because it's, it's, like, bad. It's mm-hmm. so unbelievably bad. Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, with how badly everything was handled, <laughs> I just fear that we're never gonna know the truth.
0: Mm-hmm. So, they lost so much evidence. They really did. It's they awful. didn't even... Test the Bojangles guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really think it was that Bojangles guy, but they didn't even dive into that thing. Mm-hmm. It, it was, was a face to
1: face meeting with him. It was through a
0: drive through mm-hmm. window.
1: Was it at the window or was it the speaker? Hello, <laughs> I heard you said
0: a, there was someone bloody here. And how are Can the I parents after all pride? this? Like, how are the parents after this whole thing? Upset, you know, clearly, but, you know, there was like a split, you know. Yeah, yeah. They did it or not? I think Terry Hobbs thinks they did it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But does he really think he does it? Mm -hmm. They did it, or is he just trying to blame them too? Mm -hmm. Just to, yeah, yeah, make himself
4: look good. So yeah, messed up,
0: fucked up. Yeah. Any other final thoughts? No. Yeah. Well, thank you for sitting through that whole thing. It was very long, (laughs) very, very long. Very long. Thank you for but providing cheese.
2: Yes. Cheese. wasn't <laughs>
1: just cheese. Yeah. 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 You provide it's lots all of the snacks, drinks, but the, snacks. the
0: cheese saved
1: me in the end. and then it did. We all needed that cheese. You had me the first time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were like, oh, cheese. Yeah, I was like, cheese. Oh, I can make it. I can, I can make, make it through. through. But we could not make it through an episode without mentioning food. So there you are. Yeah.
3: Because we love food.
0: (laughs) We love food. We love food. Canine Crunchy. Our special treat. (laughs) How good to eat. (laughs)
1: That's why we eat Canine Crunchies every day. (laughs) Does that childhood memory just get
0: unlocked
1: right
0: there? Yes. Canine Crunchies. (laughs) All right. And we couldn't have done it without all of our listener Support. So, a big thanks again to everybody who has listened to this season. We really do appreciate you guys and look forward to next season. So, until next time, stay high, stay safe, and thanks for tuning in to our last episode.
3: Bye. Bye. Bye.